Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Freefall RC Podcast. I'm Steve. Here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. And our friend, Fred Provost. Hey, how's it going? Uh, this episode is episode 20, RC Do's and Don'ts. How's everyone's week been? Good, man. Good? Cool. Yes. Cool. Let's start with you, Kevin, then. Oh, I was going to say, let's start with Fred. <laughs> All right, so let's start <laughs> with Fred. we haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, let's see what Fred's been up to. I, I uh, work side's been busy, been staying busy with that. Um, although I did get to uh, spend a little bit of time in my shop, I had someone that was having trouble with their versicopter uh, trying to set it up, so I had them send it to me. Oh, cool. And uh, oh, nice. He, he he had it partway built, but he was having trouble with the naze board and all that stuff. So I was able to slap it on the the on the the bench and and knocked it out in probably about twenty thirty minutes actually. And uh, when I when I sent him the message back, he was surprised at how little time it took. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, had it out flying, did a good job, tuned up some of the, the PIDs and rates and packed it up in the box and sent it back to him. Oh, awesome. Cool, man. Geez, you could help me out then. <laughs> yeah, I need some help too in that aspect. Yeah. Another side business. <laughs> I never tune anything. I just put it in. If it starts to fly, I'm like, okay, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I guess I'll go. We'll leave Kevin last because he went first last time. So I... Uh, I upgraded my Hive 210 FPV race quad. I had normal Emacs motors in it, but um, I had really cheesy Simon K 12 amp ESCs, which only can run 3S, so it was just weak. It just it wouldn't even really fly. So um, I upgraded to the Emacs. I don't know. People call it red bottoms or red base or something. It's basically it has a red bottom and a, and a black top. It's a 2205, 2300 KV. Um, I got DYS 20 amp ESCs that can handle 4S. Nice. Yeah. I got a beta flight installed instead of clean flight. So I heard it's better. So might as well give it a try. And then uh, I still got to fly it. I still have to tune it. But I kind of turned the rates up to uh, what Anthony recommended or what he had his rates with which was 0.70 across the board, I believe. Wow. Yeah, I flew his, and, I mean, it was twitchy, but, I mean, when you when I want to do more freestyle and more acrobatic stuff, so, like, that stuff was great. I was able to do three flips in the air, you know, and, and then level it back and fly around and do a couple of rolls. It was, it was super quick on the, the flips and rolls, so I liked it. So I want to try to give that a try. I started working on Chloe's FT trainer. I printed out the sheets and stitched them all together. But hopefully uh, after the show, I could do a little bit of cutting and building on that. I started also buying parts for a charging case. I know Kevin posted his on our, our Facebook page. And seeing that thing, even in person and on the pictures, it was just, ah, I need to build one. Yeah, see what you started, Kevin? Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no, you gave me inspiration to really like push forward and you know move away from the the what is it like a 20 30 dollar harbor freight you know cheapo case and like get something a little more durable and you know more uh waterproof and airtight so kevin hooked me up he helped me wire up a 24 volt psu to uh 
power supply, computer server power supplies. And I found out that I try to charge two success 5,000 lipos in um, parallel. And I try to do 20 amps. My charger says it could do 20 amps, but the most it was going is about 14 amps. So I think uh, Turnergy being what they are, it's components are probably the best in there and probably can't handle the actual, you know, real max load on that charger. So Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of getting a iCharger 306B or no, not B, Duo. I don't know. We'll see. It's kind of almost $300. So Is that the one Ricky has? Ricky has the 4010. Oh, he has the 4 Duo. That's right. That's like the top end one, I think. I mean, they make like a 36, 38, 3010. I I don't see myself really charging over 30 amps. I mean, that's a lot. And do you see yourself getting anything larger than 6? Six, six no. That's why I'm thinking, like, let's go with the 306 Duo because it still has the same features, but it's much, much cheaper than when, you know, once you get up those cell counts, you know, you got to get special power charging boards or the module boards or whatever it's called. Yeah. To handle, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10S batteries. How about you, Kevin? How you been? Good, man. I'm 3D printing like mad. I was telling somebody today, I said... I bought this thing like three weeks ago, and I can remember having conversation with Jeff for like a year leading up to the point where I bought it. Like we were, we were going back and forth a lot talking about what we would actually print. And I said, yeah, you know, you make a point. I don't know what I would really print. And it's hysterical that I think back to those conversations. And that thing hasn't stopped. Like every day I'm printing something. Is it just stuff for you or have you been uh, making stuff for the other family members? Well, no, it's – um. It's just my my case that mainly I've been working on because I use the Home Depot case, the 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 rigid case. Yeah. The suitcase type. It's the smallest one they make. Is a 3D printer still a secret? Well, the wife knows it's it's going. She doesn't know what it is, <laughs> but she hears it and she's like, "What are you printing?" I'm like, "I don't know, I'm just printing stuff." And she's like, "That's a lot of printing." She, I think she still thinks it's like I'm printing paper or something. I don't know. But she's like, I don't know how you can work because I, I I know she's seen it, but she might not know what the hell it is. So, I told you she's gonna hear it. <laughs> yeah, but she's it's not like it's keeping us up like or anything, no no you know yeah the thing works really good man I'm I'm really getting more comfortable with like I'm making a few errors here and there and and I've corrected myself like I bought some filament from two different companies. Uh, one was Hatchbox and one was Gizmo Dorks. And the Gizmo Dork stuff I started to use, and I was like, it wasn't printing that well. It kept getting clogged up, and I'm like, what is going on? Is this just crap that I bought? So I went back to – I bought it on Amazon, and I went back to Amazon, and I said, let me read the reviews and see if somebody else has you know, different settings because you can set the temperature for the nozzle and the bed settings. And I was having problems with both. Like it wasn't printing well, and it wasn't sticking to the bed. So when I went back to look at my order, I was like, dumbass, I ordered – Instead of PLA in silver, I ordered ABS, and I was trying to print it at the PLA setting. Ah, yeah. So it's less heat, so no wonder it was clogging up and not sticking. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that, but, dude, this thing is just dynamite. It's been printing like crazy, and it really was cool to, to build all the little parts for the, the charging case and the supports. And, you know, I'm building, like, you know, I'm printing out little, like, 90-degree standoffs and just 3M taping them in and and drilling and tapping them and putting in uh you know hex head screws three millimeter screws nice so it looks more professional yeah i got a bunch of different lengths and my brother-in-law's kid is really into star wars so i i found on thingiverse there's a uh a file you know a zip file you can download that has all the necessary 
pieces that you can print out to make Han Solo's blaster if you got the oh, nice. Airsoft uh, yeah, Mauser. So I ordered okay. the Airsoft Mauser off of eBay, and it was like $11, you know, nice. <laughs> with shipping included. So I ordered like two of them, and I'm going to make, make a couple of them. Have you watched Adam Savage's uh, video on his building of the uh, blaster? Yeah, I just watched that last night, and uh, I I don't know I I I really like that guy, um, but those guys get a little ridiculous at some point. It's, <laughs> it's like when he did, for instance. I know I'm going off the topic a little bit, but I I watched the other one too, where he built out of foam board the house he grew up in, and he built yeah. different plans, and he oh, was going cool. on and on about how the foam board and a lot of guys will do this, and I have a. I have a, a hot glue gun where I can set the temperature so it doesn't burn the whole foam board. I'm thinking, I'm like, Adam, you know how many planes I've built and have been flying and I haven't had any problems yeah. <laughs> with like burning the crap out of the foam board? Right, right. No. Yeah. So, yeah, they 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 do take stuff to the extreme. And, and, you know, when it's in the replica and, and some of these movie props, it's really cool. And, and I, I like the show. And, I mean, I don't have nearly the dough they must spend on, on some of the stuff. But, yeah, I did watch that, Fred where they got an actual Mauser and uh, dude, some of these fans are just like insane. I'm like, this is cool to give my, like my nephew, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't right. need an actual blank that, that is made out of metal and, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm aluminum sh- machined parts and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know how much that cost, but he said that the one he had that was a replica that I think was made out of metal that he had paid, he had paid like $150 for. He's like, yeah, you know, this is the cheap one. It's $150. So I don't even know what he paid for the, the, I think just the replica pistol is like 300 bucks or an wow. actual, or, you know, an actual pistol or a blank, uh-huh. you know, where there's no barrel. It's just filled. I mean, and then you got all the machined like parts, like they had some, they looked gorgeous, but uh, the 3d printing is just getting better and better. So pretty soon we'll be able to 3d print that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> that uh, that's mostly complete. This charging case, I can't wait to bring that out to the field and and start using it. It was it was cool. It was a little meticulous in and how I worked it, you know, because that Home Depot case, there's no like two edges that are ninety degrees. Everything's either yeah. got a rounded corner or it's forty five or something. So um, that was that was interesting, um, and I got to use the the three D CAD software one two three D, um, which is free. And I got to get, you know, sink sink into that and figure out how to do what I wanted to do with that, which was cool. I ordered a canopy and boom for the 570, the orange zeal scheme. And I didn't think I was going to get it in time for the podcast, but I got it today. And, man, it's it looks amazing. It's just really cool looking. Nice. Is that one of those helicopters? Yeah, that's yeah. one of those <laughs> Goblin 570s. Yeah. yeah. Kyle Stacy edition. Yeah. It's uh, it should come out pretty nice. I mean, I'm just gonna slowly put this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to get some servos yet, and, and a battery, and a flight controller. But um, yeah, it should be it should be coming along. Post some pictures of that. Awesome. And I've been working on my special, uh, 47 inch version project for Flight Fest, and that's coming along awesome. Did the electronics on that, and I hope to maiden that this weekend. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see it. That thing, it's it's really cool looking, and it's just in it's in white foam. I can't wait to like build the big one, paint it all up, and I'll probably three D print like the muffler and the engine parts and the oh, front grill and all that stuff. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the censored pictures. The censored pictures? <laughs> yeah, you know, since it's a secret project, you can't show me the actual project. 
Oh, no, I'll send you a picture. Yeah. <laughs> nice, man. Oh, man, I need to start working on mine. I'm falling behind. Yeah, my what I'm what I think I'm going to wind up doing with because there's a lot of, I mean we've talked about the error that it's from, so you, uh, people are going to know it's it's got a lot of wood involved. So I want to actually 3D print the the connector pieces that I'm going to have like that that attach to the wood to the wing. I kind of got it oh, in nice. my mind how I want to oh, do it. Nice. And then you know there's wire too involved, like so. Okay. Uh, you know I'll I'll 3D print some like kind of holders or make it all one piece or something. How are you going to paint it? Are you going to minwax it or are you just going to Paint right on the foam board. Well, like spray paint or airbrush. It's the um, it's the FT waterproof stuff, so I don't think you have to minwax it. Oh, okay. You can just paint right on it. So you got to bundle the the box of the individual sheets. That's awesome. Yeah, I wasn't really, <laughs> I wasn't really letting on, but yeah, that's that's basically what I was. I guess as we get closer, I can talk more about it. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. that's what. I'm going to wind up using. Nice. You're going to have some extra sheets for my my plan? Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how many mistakes I have, yeah. Your yeah. plan will get smaller and smaller. <laughs> right? My 80-inch will now become 60 and 40. Nah. That's cool, man. I can't wait to see that thing. Uh, so you think you're going to have it done this week weekend? Yeah. So let's get to the main topic here. RC do's and don'ts. Now, we have a, quite a bit of a list here, so let's kind of... Go through them and see what we got. Kevin, start us off. Okay, well, I first thought of the don'ts uh, and the <laughs> dumb things that I've done. Uh, <laughs> nice. And these probably are more specific mm-hmm. than than the, the general stuff that we were also thinking of. But um, my first battery I ever cut the leads off of and soldered was it was a banana plug, and I changed it to a Dean's. And I don't know why. I just said, okay, it's smaller maybe. I don't know. Or my local hobby shop had Dean's, I think. And that's what I bought. Didn't know which side to solder on. I soldered the wrong one onto the, to the battery. And it was it had the ones where the leads were poking out. Oh. <laughs> so definitely do not do that. Because then if you put the battery down on your workbench and your screwdriver touches both leads, yeah. it's basically the male part. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. And you're going to short and blow that battery up. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I changed that real quick. I looked at it and I was like, you know, it probably doesn't make sense. I just said, well, what do I, what do, I do? You know, I, I don't know which one to use. I'll just pick one. So I picked it and I made the wrong, wrong decision. Yeah. So battery connectors always have the female side on the battery and a male side on your ESC. Yeah. Never the other way around. Even when you're talking about like XC60s, with, you know, they're basically three and a half millimeter bullets in there. Always have the female side on the battery, so there's no way of anything going in there and and basically um, arcing those two positive and negatives there. Yeah, for sure. Well, while we're on the battery topic and cutting, um, one of the, the mistakes that a lot of people make is they try cutting both wires at the same time. Oh, yes, yeah, that is that's a great way to, to weld your uh, wire cutters together <laughs> and make a really really big spark. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, you always want to just cut one connector at a time, and and then make sure it's yes. you know, sealed up and protected before you cut the next one. You know, and and that's an easy thing you can do, mm-hmm. like you're just not thinking, just like yeah. okay, I got to replace this snip. Especially, you think about it, you cut speaker wire the same way, you know, just two mm-hmm. of them at the same time, and right. Yeah, and if you end up soldering like the ESC side first, which you can do because there's obviously no electricity in there, you know, you can cut both, and you might just go to your battery and say, hey, I can cut both, and yep. and have a bad experience there. It's actually harder to think about cutting one at a time. 
Yeah. You know, when, well, you, have when you see two wires, you have to cut. Right. Um, so with that, with the batteries and when you're soldering connectors, you know, make sure you have your shrink tube on first before you put the connector on. Because I've done that before where I have to unsolder and you know, resolder it. Just because and slide it as too. far away from the solder point as you can. Yeah. Otherwise, heating up the wire will shrink the <laughs> Yeah, but bring shrink. it all the way back to the battery as far as possible or to the ESC if you're doing that side. Another thing, um, what I do, certain, certain connectors, you have to kind of slide the wires through a connector and then solder and then pull the connector close like EC5s, the RC Pro Plus connectors I use. So... When you're doing one, that's fine. You slide the wire through, you solder the bullet, pull it into the housing, you're good. Sometimes you can't pull in the housing. You might have to do one at a time or actually have to do both. But um, the other wire, you've got to make sure you, you tape it back so there's no way of that wire kind of coming loose and kind of hitting the other uh, connector wire soldering. So make sure you always tape that other wire back. You, and and you, you can just do a fold of electrical. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You can just do tape. like a fold of electrical tape over the end that you can peel off easy. Yep, you could do that. You could tape it back to the back of the battery or Velcro strap it or just tape it, you know, um, so there's no lead sticking out. Nice. One of the biggest and biggest do's, I would say, uh, and I think probably everyone, each one of us wrote this in, is um, buy a SIM. I think that's like the biggest, best investment into this hobby you can do is buying a simulator. Yeah, um, and and actually use it, <laughs> and actually use it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. tough to do too because you you see a hundred fifty dollars sim and you see a hundred fifty dollars plane, right? It, it, that's a, that was a hard move for me to do, and I I think I got mine from eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I didn't buy a sim at first. I actually bought a couple of small micro helis and some UMX planes, and I learned the hard way. Like as soon as I took off, crash. Took off, crash, fixed the crash, fixed the crash. And, you know, and everyone, you know, you read on the forums, read on Facebook, everyone, you know, if you're a beginner, sim. So I was like, all right, let me buy a sim. And, and wow, you know, like it helps you, especially with your orientation, like flying back at yourself, um, you know, yeah. doing inverted stuff, like just anything. It just helps you learn the muscle memorization and so that way you know what to do when the, if the plane if you want to learn to fly upside down inverted you know it helps you big time and i mean even to this day um what two three years into the hobby especially with the helis i i sim before i try anything new i try it on the sim first once i get that somewhat down then i'll try it on a real plane or real heli just never never try something new right off the bat on a plane or a heli because it won't go well. <laughs> yeah, chances are it won't go well. Yeah. It's funny you mention orientation. It always makes me think of there's been a few guys since I've been in the hobby that have come up to me and said, you know, I used to have a model years ago that I would fly and I could never get orientation figured out. And I guess this was way before simulators. And actually it was a, a few people had, had said to me that they would flip a switch and their ailerons would reverse as the plane was coming at them. And I can't even imagine how difficult that must be to try and and fly. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? No. No. Yeah, I, I had I've actually had two people. One guy I worked with who told me that, and I think one guy uh either at Green Pond or it was down at our club that I was talking to. That's just gotta be I I, I would say definitely don't do that. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, learn proper orientation. It'll help you tenfolds later on once you 
have that down, you you know, like I mean, look at you, Kevin, with the helicopters. You you're getting you have your full upright orientation down, so you know you're able to fly in any direction, like you know. Yeah, true. And, and like you don't really have to think about it; it becomes second nature. And it's same thing for planes. I don't think about orientation when I fly planes. It just happens, you know. Yeah. And the way I kind of explained it, you know, it doesn't work as much with the younger generation now. But you know, you talk about muscle memory, and people don't really know what you mean. Um, right. If you've ever driven a standard vehicle, you know, clutch and shifting, mm-hmm. and then jumped in an automatic, and yeah. your hand reaches for the shifter, and your foot reaches for the clutch, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what you're trying to develop. You're trying to do the sim enough times that when you when you go to make that next step, you go to make a turn, whatever, you don't have to think about it. You don't have that delay. Yes, uh, that's what I used to tell people that seemed to work and and make them understand. Yeah, I mean, when I drive stick, I don't look at my tachometer to see what RPMs I'm shifting at. I just kind of know the feeling, the sound, and I, and the same thing with helicopters when you fly. You know when you're bogging that motor or you're, you know, pushing too hard and stuff, like, just from what it's telling you, you know? You know so. when you're driving along and your wife is sitting in the passenger seat and she's hitting that brake that isn't there? That's <laughs> what you want to develop. <laughs> yes. Muscle memory. Yep. Uh. Uh, so, for a beginner... When you're getting into airplanes or helicopters, um, one of the things is for airplanes especially is I'm, I'm going to promote flight tests. I think don't buy a plane. Don't buy your P-51, you know, 48-inch wingspan Mustang. Like build an FT plane. Yeah. It, it, might fe- it might seem difficult at first because you're not used to working with foam board. You're not used to hobby knives and cutting and tracing and doing all this stuff. But um, – they have great videos on it. It'll help you. Once you can build an FD plane, you can buy pretty much any foamy ARF and put it together with no problem because you, you kind of know what to expect and what, what's needed to build these planes at that point. And then if you crash an FD plane, no big deal. Either fix it, glue it back together, or you build a new one. It's, you know, it's not that bad of a, an experience. Like, you know, and then it'll get you also over the fear of crashing. So I think that's a big thing too. And kind of just, I, I want to touch base on the definition of a, a beginner for me. Because I know you guys did an awesome job last week talking about the different flight test planes and trying to go over which plane is good for a beginner. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I, I, because I deal with customer support so much, um, you know, I run into a lot of beginner pilots. And what everyone seems to forget is when you're a beginner, you don't know anything. You just don't right. know how to balance a plane, that it's sure. even important. Um, so I like planes that are self balancing, that, that if you, you know, if you can find the center of gravity, you're done. Um, you know, like the old fogey that Flight Test has. That is a great plane. It will self-write. If you take your hands off the controls and you had it balanced to begin with, mm-hmm. it'll self-correct. It it wallows through the air. It's a slow plane, which is important because you want to have time to figure out what, what your next step is. Right. right. And and I explain that to the younger guys, the guys that do the video games. I say, listen, you know, you play video games. You've got a game that you play a lot. You're good at it. Now, if I took that, you know, the controller out of your hand and moved all the buttons around, how good would you be at that same game? You know, right, if, yeah. So you have to you have to you have to be able to fly enough times or use the simulator enough times that you learn where the buttons are that, and and that you're supposed to push or pull or or move the you mm-hmm. know the sticks. So you want a plane that's that's slow enough and self-riding enough that you have that opportunity to to fix the mistake and see that you're making a mistake while you're doing it. Yes, because you're also learning what the control surface is due to the plane. Right. Yeah, and if you got a control surface backwards, you know, right? Maybe you'll have time to recover it and bring it back. Then you know, say, okay, well, instead of going up, I need to go down. The other thing is, you know, that plane. How hard is it to trim? 
Yeah. If you have a plane that's fast and you're trying to trim it in flight and you're a beginner, you're going to crash. You almost yeah. need a buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 we used to do that. I mean, you'd have someone yeah. reach over and adjust the knob on the you know the trim for you. Yeah, um, while you're trying to fly, we still do that at the club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, still done it. So onto that with with beginners and planes. I mean, right off the bat, actually, before you even consider really flying, I mean, I would say, you know, inquire about a club and join a club if there's any clubs around you, because the the help that you get from a club is, you know, you can't put a price on it. There's just, you know, so many people that have been flying for so long and they can help you in so many different aspects of building, flying, you know, you get to, they have a, an instructor program so you can, you know, you can buddy box someone and that makes it even less of a chance that, you know, you'll, you'll total on your first uh, flight. Yeah, our club has like three apprentices that they use. Mm-hmm. They have club planes. So even if you can't, you know, if you don't, you're interested, but you don't want to buy it, they can help you with that. And definitely get AMA. I mean, you know, I don't think I really need to say it, but maybe for some beginners that are interested, and definitely get AMA. You know, you're, it's not even if it's not for any of the magazines or any of the other little stuff. It's just for the insurance that, you know, if I were to crash a plane into a car by mistake, right? I got I'm insured. That's valuable right there. So yeah, and I kind of I kind of took it slow when I started. I know this is probably going to be. Uh, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because I also <laughs> think that you should just go out and do it. But if you're not ready for flying in front of people or flying at a big event, but you're still into it, like I was really into it uh, 2012, 2013, but I hadn't mm-hmm. done that much flying. I don't, I think I only had flown uh, you know, a couple of flight test planes, uh, and I went up to the neat fair twice, and I, I didn't fly either time. I just went enjoyed you know talking to people and seeing all the stuff and hanging out watching them fly you know so you know definitely uh you can go do that you know if you're interested just know you know hey i'm not ready for that right now you know i i'll I'll work my way up to that well and on that note one of the things i run into a lot is people are embarrassed that they're beginners yeah Yeah. and don't be man i mean we all started somewhere right i've been doing this for almost 30 years and and i'm a beginner in a lot of aspects i mean i don't know anything about helicopters and you know, if I was to try to start doing helicopters, no matter how many planes I've flown or quadcopters I've flown, there's going to be something new. Sure. Um, right. And and so people tend to exaggerate their skill level. Well, if you're asking me for help and you tell me that you're more advanced than you actually are, I'm going to give you advice that's not going to be good for you. Um, if you go to a field and ask for help at a field or try to, to claim that you know more than you do, um, it doesn't take long for the people there talking to you to realize that you don't know what you say you know. And, and if you're lying to them or, or trying to if you're embarrassed and, and you, you say something that's, that's untrue, they're not going to, they're not going to want you to the field cause they're going to not trust you. Yeah. Um, so don't be embarrassed about being a beginner. I mean, that's, I, I had some friends of mine that I took out to, to buy some stuff from a guy and, and they, uh, they're, I, I know their skill level. They're telling the guys that they're better pilots or more experienced pilots than they were. And, uh, so the guy's selling them stuff that was outside their skill level cause he's taking them at their word on it. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's, it's you know, I mean, you're going to learn. And, and there's so much to, with the hobby, like I said, with trimming your airplane or balancing an airplane or, you know, just, just the different stuff that it takes to set it up properly, never mind fly it. Go ahead and enjoy that learning process, man. I, to be able to do that again and, and, and have that that everything being new, that that's that's yeah. one part of it. Yeah, and then especially when it starts to click and you actually realize, like, oh, so that makes sense and this is why yeah. it's like this and that. And, like, and then you learn that, like, you throw a plane in the air and you're like, 
it's kind of dragging a tail. It's tail heavy. I know that it's tail heavy because I learned what the characteristics of a tail heavy plane is. And that whole learning curve, it's great once you actually start achieving these things and learning and gaining all this knowledge. But then what you can do now is you can now take another beginner and, or your friend or, you know. Your son or daughter. Your son or daughter. Yeah, daughter, pass it on. And you can pass that knowledge on. And, and that feeling you get for teaching someone, I mean, that's an amazing feeling, you know. And and don't take that away from someone else. Let let that other person be the piece person teaching you, and let them you know sure. be excited about it. Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. And and on the on the on the note of the club stuff, um, I'm going to do a little shameless self promotion there or, or shameless flight test promotion. Um, they've got the FT Groups website up now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what's cool about that is even your club, your club can go in and set up a, a group. Um, you can set up as an individual. You can start a group. You can post an event. And it's a great kind of casual way to meet people. You can you can search other members by location. It'll pull up a map mm-hmm. and show other people in your area that signed up already. So if you're a little intimidated about going to a club and all these people with experience, you kind of ease into it. Meet somebody on the on the FT groups and talk to them. Say, hey, listen, this is my experience level. Can you give me a hand? And uh, you know, meet up at a field or meet up at a at a ballpark or something. Yeah. One of the things I want to do soon is we've got some really neat. Um, aviation museums around here i want to set up an ft groups event where we just go walk through the museum together oh that would be really cool yeah that sounds like a lot of fun you know like a field trip you know and and get to meet people you know doing something fun like that nice yeah i've been to the air and space in washington a few times and probably wouldn't appreciate it as much as i would now if i went back all right, so um, you got you got me talk you got me thinking about FT groups. I just I did. Sorry, guys. Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> research Google. Yes. yes, research Google. Check the forums. Do searches on forums. There's so much information on forums. I mean, it could get a little crazy because it's, sometimes it gets hard to disseminate that knowledge, but uh, and kind of figure out what's real, what's not. Well, yeah, you know, but there's a lot of different opinions. But Google definitely. You could Google stuff. YouTube. I mean, who doesn't YouTube to find out how to do something these days? You know? Oh, yeah, YouTube yes. is great for that. Yeah. Now, I, I will say one of the intimidating things as a beginner, and one of the reasons that you know the flight test forums is nice, and mm-hmm. you know they kind of bash on the forums, but I think it's mostly because people forget, you know, and flight test is so new still, a lot of beginners are there. When you first get into the hobby, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So you don't even know what to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, yeah, go in there and, and you know throw a question out. That's why you know, you're not going to catch anyone saying, hey, you know, do a, use the search feature. Because the folks on the flight test forums understand that you knew coming into it don't even know what to ask. You don't even know where to look for us. So, right. Yeah, don't be embarrassed to ask because, you know, anybody, you know, if, if you're admitting you're a beginner, the people are going to jump out of the woodworks to try to help you. Yeah, my experience that I can relate is with the first baby blender, first couple I had, <laughs> I was <laughs> flying with a radio that had no expo, and I knew that there was something else I was missing just because. I was like, okay, maybe guys can fly that smooth. Maybe that's not why, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's why I'm, I'm having so many problems. But I I had heard the term expo. I had no idea what it was. And uh, Flight Test had a great video explaining what it was with a, with a stick movement in relation to the servo movement. And, yeah, it was explained it all to me. And I was like, that's what I'm missing. I need to get find a radio, you know, upgrade to something that I, I can put some expo in. And that's the funny thing is I'll get people that, you know, they, they bought a flight test plane and they say, this plane flies like, you know, it's just terrible. It, it's 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 twitchy and it doesn't fly right. And I said, well, mm-hmm. did you add any expo? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 sure I did. I, I throw the link into the video and, and send it to them. That way they can fix it. And yeah. you know, they come back, oh, yeah, the plane's flying great now. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's nice. huge. I mean, I've I've always said that. That's that's one of the the biggest things that a, a beginner can learn to you know start using. Yeah. Well, and, and so for someone that's a beginner that's listening to this and then they don't understand what we're talking about, the expo deadens the sensitivity of the stick right at the center because what happens is if you move the stick a little bit and it creates a big movement on the airplane, it's going to jump around. It's going to be it's not going to be a smooth looking flying plane. Right. Um, but it kind of smooths out that because you're it's going to take a while to learn you know the gradual stick movement you know as a beginning pilot. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, plus you're a new pilot, so you're kind of moving it jerky to begin with. Yeah, you're moving it to the far ends, and yeah, you're stick you know, banging, right? You don't realize that you know a little movement goes a long way on some of these. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like if I, you know, I sim and I have my little transmitter, and I'll I'll replay the video of me flying, and I'll notice like I don't move the 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 right stick. It's very little. Only when I start doing crazy moves, 3D stuff, I'll. But like just flying around sport, I, you barely see that middle stick, uh, the right stick move at all. Yeah, well, that's crazy. why I like. That's why I like some of these videos where they're showing the plane flying in the video, but they also show a shot of the, of um, the hands, stick yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's valuable. That's huge. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, so one of the things, um, once you get your first plane, or if your first heli, or or not even once you get your first, but you know, as you get into the hobby and you're, you're buying these aircrafts. Anytime you do any tuning or setup, especially multi-rotors and helis, I think, even planes, take the props off, take the blades off, don't have anything that, you know, can basically spin and cut you on the plane when you're trying to set something up or you're setting your endpoints on your ESC or something. Or if you bump the stick by mistake and that prop starts to spin up, you're going to cut yourself many times. That could be as easy as just unplugging one wire from the ESC, making yep. sure it's not hitting any of the other ones. But as, yeah. if you unplug one of those, then you can do whatever you have to do. I would I would recommend taking the prop off, yeah. but you can easily do that too if you have access to it. And and Kevin started off the section with the you know the dumb things he's done in the past that, that taught him his lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> one of my big ones was you know I had a. An old FM radio for my first, uh, one of my first electric planes, the Trojan T28. Nice. And I had it on the bench, setting it up, and I realized that my throttle was backwards on my transmitter. Oof. So, no big deal. I, I um, actually, the settings were wrong, so I wanted to reset it. And I reset, I pushed the reset button and put all the settings in the transmitter to zero. Mm-hmm. What it did was it defaulted to uh, full throttle being zero and and you know zero throttle being full. And uh, so when it defaulted to that with the stick all the way to the bottom, it turned the motor on the, the plane wide open, and it flew at me, and it sliced my arm. Three big gashes, and I should have got stitches, but I you know, duct-taped it together. Um, wow. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I sliced the heck out of my arm because I didn't realize that that was going to happen, and I had the prop on the plane. Um, if the right. prop was off the plane, all that would have happened was the, uh, the motor was spun up. It was embarrassing because I had to get my wife, and uh, I was dripping blood all over the house, and I had to have her help me, you know, clean up my my uh, my wound. And yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, the couple of seconds it takes to take off a propeller is a lot better than you know the hours you're going to spend at the emergency room. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> my story is almost exactly the same, except it's with a helicopter. I had a 450 that uh, I had flown for a while, and it was it was crap. And I basically bought another one from Hobby King, went to set it all up. No fly bar. It was the, the gyro, you know, or it was a fly bar heli, but no. Fly bar, yeah. It wasn't, uh, you know, it didn't have a flight controller. It just had a gyro for the tail on it. 
And I can remember being a novice, not knowing anything, but had I had flown the other one. So I was like, okay, I just go through the setup. I can see it like it's yesterday. I had it in the garage. I had it on the floor. I wasn't planning on spooling it up. And I'm moving the, uh, I was moving the collective. And the collective, instead of going up, was going down. And I said, oh, I'll just reverse the throttle channel. And I did exactly mm. the same thing. Reverse the throttle channel. And that thing came right up at me. And I took my hand and basically curved my fingers back because I knew if I touched the blade, I was done. And I just right. knocked it right back down to the ground, right in the middle of the, in, like, the, in the center. Like hit it with my palm, <laughs> and it bruised the palm of my hand, like where my thumb meets the rest of my. It bruised uh-huh. that part so bad. Didn't cut me, but I was like, uh, "How stupid was that?" It slapped you. Real well, and the, inside like that, there's nowhere to retreat. You know, if that thing comes at you, yeah, you know, there, there's nowhere sure to was... escape to. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and and I'm I'm guilty of this, but you know, especially multi rotors, don't try to fly. A big multi rotor, like even just hovering in your living room or in your house, um, you know, your garage, like be outside where you can kind of, if something goes wrong, you can get out of its way. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I think I have a video where I'm hovering a tricopter in my living room, and yeah, I don't recommend it. I mean, I lucked out, but yeah, don't do that. Um, don't spool up a heli on a bench either. You know, no. like bring it out to the flight line, 15, 20 feet, you know, whatever you feel safe, at least, I would say at least 15 feet, and, and then step back and then start spooling up. Yeah, there's too many videos online of somebody trying to test hover the helicopter in the uh, living room and wiping out the flat screen TV. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, I was going to mention, Steve just fired up a multi-rotor with Anthony not too long ago and flew it into the side of somebody's car. They were oh, out yeah, in the car. parking lot. Oh, <laughs> your car. car. But this was in his driveway. We were outside, but yeah. <laughs> The ESCs weren't set properly, so that thing just jumped up like, like it went from being on the ground to like, you know, three feet, and I'm like, oh crap, cut the throttle. Well, and, yeah, and it's not just a beginner mistake. I did it recently, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I, you know, I think I'm just going to change one quick setting on my my quadcopter. Had it on the bench. It decided to, to go full throttle for some reason. I don't know what I did. Fortunately for me, it flipped off the bench and landed on the floor upside down, but it spun up. You know the motors were spinning on the floor, Jeez. Um, because it was riding on the bullets on the on the you know the the prop nuts. Right. And I basically had to wait for it to uh, the battery to run down because I can't I couldn't flip it over and reach in and, and unplug the battery. It's you know it if I'm holding right. it so it's not flying out of my hand, it's you know I can't unplug the battery. So wow. yeah, it's, yeah. And so yeah, ever ever since then I've taken the props off every time. <laughs> yeah, definitely take the props off. I just, I mean, there's like. When I even when I'm with my helicopters and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just change a setting and I need to recalibrate my ESC or set a governing governor on it. Like I'll take the blades off. It's a pain in the butt, but you know it's your safety. If you think about a quad, right, like a 250 quad, we're talking about uh, the 2300 kV motor. I mean, do the math for 14s. That thing is spinning at some incredible rate. Yeah, that it will just keep chop, 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 chop. You know, your skin up and your muscles, your tissues, like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's no joke. I mean, I I know a friend who who's uh, I think calibrating his EXCs with the props on, and he was holding the quad down, and he was doing it on his computer, and it like when it spun up, it spun up, and you know even though he was holding it down, it kind of got loose from his hand and cut him in like three spots on his hand, Jeez. in an instant, instantly. Like it's. Yeah. yeah, if you want to see the damage that can be done and why you should take blades off, David did a 
high speed oh, photography. Yes. Yes. Yeah, of of a helicopter and he they threw what a watermelon into it. They like had it on a string and he did the watermelon with the helicopter of the Gawi five. The hot but, dog. But he the hot dog one with the multiplayer oh. blades. Oh man, that thing if that was your finger, oh and, yeah. and the most recent flight test video just did a um you know, they, they were throwing stuff into the blades of a you know quadcopter, so mm-hmm. Yeesh. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not a joke. Like, you know, take the time. I know it's a pain in the butt, but you know, when something goes wrong, because it will eventually happen. You know, you'll bump the throttle by mistake. You'll you'll do something. It happens. We're all human. Uh, uh, you know, I I I'm just setting the uh, transmitter down a little too hard. Knocked the throttle up before. Sure. So. Yeah. Yep. You know, especially with helicopters. And I've had the I've had the receivers where if it loses signal, it goes full throttle. Yeah. Like, oh, you remember the one I had? Yeah. Remember yeah, the one safe. I had in? Uh, I had it in the Mustang a couple of years ago, the FT Mustang. Mm. And I shut the radio off, and it took off on me. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> next tip: set your fail safe. Yeah, set your fail safe. Find <laughs> yes. out what a fail safe is and set it. <laughs> yes, most uh, most receivers fail safe is set when you bind it. So if your throttle is at the lowest point, if you're holding that throttle stick down and you bind, that's where it's gonna go. Multi-rotors, though, are a little bit different with flight controls, but you can set a different fail-safe. Um, but, yeah, usually you want fail-safe to be um, zero throttle, however you want to set it, you know, from the controller or from your flight controller or your, your transmitter. Um, mm-hmm. Just real quick to, to, to find fail-safe, what it was originally is um, a preset setting in your receiver so that if your radio loses signal with it, right. you could actually set your aircraft to bank and have half throttle. And so it would do circles in one place instead of just flying off straight into the distance. So you could like run and try to get closer and try to maybe pick that signal back up. Um, that was the the original purpose of the fail safe. Yeah. Oh, nice. And I think that's more in the AM FM days with the 2.4. I feel like most people set fail safe as no throttle. Yep. You know, just and cut let it the just motor. Fall. Let it. Yeah. If it's a helicopter or multi rotor, let it fall. If it's a plane, let it glide. Give someone time to like, you know. Heads up, dead stick, or whatever, you know, scream out and there's any people just so that they're looking and aware of this thing, you know, um, not having, you not having control over this thing. Yeah. um, With helicopters, though, make sure when you put that battery in, when you're plugging that battery, your transmitter has throttle hold set on. I've done it before where, like, I didn't have throttle hold and I plugged it in and my transmitter you know my throttle stick was just a little bit high enough to start spooling up that heli um freaked the hell out of me you know um, yeah if that scary. thing starts doing the chicken dance on the ground you're not gonna be able to get close to it to pull that battery pack out yeah yeah once those blades are spinning they're spinning you don't get close to it at all you let it chicken dance you let it just waste the battery you know you just don't get close to it so uh let's see let's get some more dues here you i was gonna go? say one of mine is expect to crash Yes, I was actually just going to go into that. Uh, beginners, advanced, intermediate, doesn't matter. Crashing happens. So don't be discouraged, especially as a beginner. Don't be discouraged about crashing. Well, that was one of the things that really drew me to flight test when I, you know, when I first was watching their videos. Is you, know, you watched all the YouTube videos back then, or you go to a field and you see these guys, and they're flying, and they make it look easy. Yeah. And the, the, especially with the YouTube stuff, because they had edited out the crashes. Yeah. Um, and so... Flight test comes along. Here's these guys. They know what they're doing, but they crash. They crash every episode. Before that, you'd go out there and you'd try flying and you're crashing. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm such a loser. I can't do anything right. That you know, this plane won't fly, and it's got to be me, or it's the plane's junk. 
you just get so frustrated and disheartened that you want to give yeah. up the whole hobby. Going and knowing that, yes, you are going to crash. There's going to be things that's outside of your control. There's going to be things that you didn't know that you're supposed to set up or look for. And, and things fail, you know. You might you might not notice, but that servo, when the last landing you came in, you kind of hit the yeah. tail a little. <laughs> and then you take off again. That servo might fail at midair. You don't know. Or yeah. especially back with the old high-tech, the old high-tech 55s, mm-hmm. um, you bump an aileron on the on the side of your door, putting it in the car. It's stripped, and you don't know that until you go to fly. Right. Yep. Same thing with helicopters. You know, you, you, you have a little crash, and you fix it. You know, did you check every single part? Like, you should <laughs> check everything. <laughs> I was going to say no. You know? Like, I, like, I, like the flight test episode of Check Your Crap. Yes. Always, you know, check it. It's worth it's worth the extra five minutes to check it to make sure you don't cause another crash or hurt yourself or total your plane or your heli. And then it's like, oh, got to start all over with this, you know? Yeah, that's one thing I learned from flight test, too, was that when you do crash, what to check, how to mm-hmm. check it, move the move the control horn back and forth or, you know, the control rod back and forth a little bit. And, right. You know, check out the surfaces, make sure there's no rips and tears in the, in the hinges, depending on the model and stuff like that. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, you know, but like Fred said, expect to crash. Yeah. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the hobby, you will crash. It happens. It's yeah. part of the hobby. It really is. Yeah. And well, the beauty of the flight test stuff is, you know, if you crash it bad enough, you can build another one that night, be back out tomorrow learning and having fun again. Sure. And, and that's, that's the problem with the ready to fly stuff is you fly it and you break a wing and you think, okay, the whole thing's junk. I can throw the whole thing away. Right. Well, no, some toothpicks and some glue, and you're back in the air again. Sure, yeah. You know? yeah. But if you if you didn't build it yourself, you don't know that you can do that stuff. Right. And that kind of goes back to learn to build. You know, it's, it's a big, nice do to, like, learn to know how that plane goes together, how you can repair it, what parts are what. And, and don't be afraid to ask someone else that, that, you know, how do I fix this? You know, post yeah. post a picture or show. Yeah. Um. Definitely. Um. <clears throat> Let me just see here. One of the things um, I, I want to talk about, I guess, with the crashing kind of goes with check everything, you know, especially on a helicopter. You need to check everything. Um, planes, I'm guilty of it. I kind of crash. I'm like, oh, I just got to glue the nose back together. Oh, check all my control surfaces. It looks fine. Toss it back up. Yeah. Um, especially with the flight test planes. I, you know, it's, I just glue them back together and throw them up. Um, but with helicopters, you have to make sure like everything is good. That like no bolts started slipping out from the crash. There's no chips in the, the you know blades or something. Just something that's going to cause even a bigger crash. Um, and and with that in line with that is maintenance. Yeah, I think there's more. There's definitely more maintenance on a helicopter than it's on the you know the sure the yeah foamies or the flight test planes or anything like that. Yeah, but I mean there's still some. But yeah, definitely more on the helicopter side and. You know, you want to make sure your bolts don't slip out. You want to make sure there's no, like, play in your servos or slop or not too much slop. And this also goes for planes, too. If you have a lot of slop, that plane won't fly very well. It'll just kind of be all over the place. You know, you want to make sure, like, you have proper lube and everything. You check your bearings. Make sure those aren't all grinding and making weird noises. Another thing would probably be is... uh batteries like battery maintenance and, and checking sure like you don't putting in like really bad batteries and i'm kind of guilty of it on the plane side because well i got this 2200 3s battery let me put it in there and fly and then like a minute into the flight i'm like why does this 
why you not fly right and you know it's because your batteries are bad or or you didn't charge it and you didn't realize that and you throw it in that too yes well and the other thing is and, and i've <laughs> i've been guilty of it myself you know flying your battery all the way to the point where the plane or helicopter or multi-rotor will not stay in the air anymore mm-hmm. every time you do that you're taking away the longevity of each flight yes um, no, you're, sure. you're killing that battery a little bit each time and then all of a sudden you know several flights into it you're you're not getting the the flight time that you used to and yeah you know so learn how long it is to the point where your your battery's starting to get that leg and then quit flying at that point put another battery in yeah so i mean this i guess a really good uh, you know to, to do tip is to like when you do when you get a new plane or or what, even if it's an old plane or new battery packs Fly it for like a conservative amount of minutes, like on a heli, three minutes, on a plane, say five minutes. Um, come land and then take a look at your battery, see what the voltage is, see how much uh, quote unquote percentage is left in the fuel tank. So that way you can now set your flight times to match coming, you know, with the battery landing at 20%, you know, which is like the optimal. I, I wouldn't go any lower than 20%. Yeah, that's something I do every. New plane. If it's a flight test plane, or if I've mm-hmm. bought a plane for sure, like yeah. I'll set, I'll set it for five minutes, and come down and see what I got. Right. Even when you buy new batteries, right? Because you don't know if that Turnigy batteries as good as the Pulse batteries or the Thunder Power. You know, like you don't know batteries. Un- until I started flying helis, I was buying all crap batteries, so <laughs> they were more or less all the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like your Gen Ace batteries, right? Th- those are still running. I- I'm so surprised. Oh yeah, man, those are old Gen Aces were great. Yeah, the old ones are amazing. But that yeah, that's that's a great tip because I do that all the like I said with every new flight test plane. Like the the one that shocked me the most that I can think of right off the top of my head was that wing I did with all the all the the LEDs in it, and I had. I think I did a nine nine inch or eight inch prop on that, but I put a three thousand three S battery in it, and right. I came down after five minutes, and I think I still had eighty percent of the battery. I was like, <laughs> I could fly twenty minutes, yeah, and have all this silliness going on, right, the, light the light show and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, another thing we want to make sure everyone does is do your flight checks. Yeah, it's super important. I know. I know Kevin. It would have saved you on a couple of crashes. <laughs> That's yeah. on the bus, but you know, you're absolutely right. Like one of the first times I ever flew, I, I built a Mikey's RC profile P51 and yeah. was thrilled as hell to fly it. The, I think the wife was going to be late or something. I was like, all right, well, I'm charging up a battery and I'm running out to the field and I'm going to fly this thing. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. Right. I was all I was all like nervous, you know. And I, I get out there and I. I throw it and I get about 20 seconds into the flight. I'm like, okay, it's moving to the left. I bank to the right. And then it just went haywire. And I'm like, what is going on? Stuck in a tree. Now I'm, <laughs> I got to try and risk my life climbing a tree to get $50 of electronics back. Right. <laughs> and when I come back, all my servo horn screws are in this little tray. Oh, uh, there I'm you like, go. no wonder you idiot. Yeah. Well, your servo, uh, all your control surfaces just went nuts. So do your flight checks. Make sure your ailerons are the right way. Make sure and, your elevator, your rudders, all the right way. And don't just wiggle it. Uh, I've been guilty of that. Oh yeah, it, I, I I wiggle my aileron stick side to side, and and the ailerons <laughs> move. That's, right. that's close enough. Yeah. I um uh, I had a brand new E Flight P forty seven, the old cooler you know style foam one, mm-hmm. and uh, I was up at uh, Hodges Hobbies, and you know I was all excited to you know fly this pretty plane in front of my friends, and threw the thing. The ailerons were reversed. You know oh. it, it it started to roll to the left. I gave it you know right 
aileron? Nope. That gave it more left aileron. It rolled right into the ground and broke. Yep. Um, yeah. So as soon as you do it, you're like, oh, crap. I know exactly what I did wrong. Yeah. Just save yourself the embarrassment. So do your flight checks. FT has a fantastic video on that. The high five. Yeah. You know, so you move that, you know, if you put the transmitter right over your plane, you go left on the aileron, your left aileron should come up like it's trying to give it a high five. Same thing the other way and same thing for your elevator. The rudder is the only one that's a little bit different. But See, now, from, from you say the rudder rudder's different. The one that was the most confusing for me when I first started was the aileron. Yes. Because I could tell, like, all right, the elevator, it goes this way and it's going to push the tail down and the nose up. The same with the rudder. When it got to the ailerons, I was like, by the way it looked, I would get that confused. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't have the issue with the ailerons because when, you know, on anything like anything in water and and air, like when something deflects up, it's going to push that side down. So, you know, if you're going left on the aileron stick, that aileron is going to move up, which is going to push that air and push and uh, the wings going to push down from it which makes you bank to the left yeah but if you're checking it from the front and you don't realize it's backwards well, yes <laughs> yeah. so always check i always check it from the rear like same thing my helicopters the ft episode with the high fives was is definitely worth a look yes so on the helicopter side with the flight checks what you want to do basically is um same thing looking at the helicopter tail end right so like the helicopter's pointing away from you you want to do the same thing you want to move your your cyclic or your aileron stick to the left make sure that swash plate is moving to the left right forward and back just like your stick movements are the the swash plate's easy to look at because it's just going to point down in the direction it's going to go and the tail is now the one that's a little bit of a challenge yeah so i think you have a nice way of looking at it yeah with the blades pitched yes the leading edge of the blades is when you turn the rudder to the left that leading edge is actually going to turn i guess if you're looking from the back of the helicopter right which will move the helicopter rotating counterclockwise to the left right look at the leading edge of the the Mm -hmm. blades and whichever way that's biting into the air is the way it's going to move so once you check your control surfaces the next thing on a helicopter is checking your gyro compensation I'm going to just talk about flybarless units because, I mean, I don't know. I don't – who flies flybars these days? <laughs> Sorry if you fly flybars. Uh, <laughs> I think that, uh, you That's when I quit was back in the flybar days. <laughs> so um, with the gyros compensation, right, with flybarless units, basically if you tilt the heli one way, that swash plate will move the other way. So it's compensating whichever way you're tilting the heli the opposite way. Um, and with the tail, what I do is I kind of hold the um, not not the tail blade, but like the, maybe the shaft, like on the end where the tail um, blade holders come out, and I push. If I push that tail, the tail slider will move closer to me, trying to push back. Mm-hmm. If I pull, it'll pull the other way, trying to push the other way, and that's how you can tell that the gyro compensation on the tail is correct. Yeah, with the tail, it's going to move the the opposite way. Yes. So I know you mentioned servos and forgetting to put the uh, servo screws in. Uh, <laughs> one thing with helicopters and I guess bigger planes as you get into bigger scale planes or bigger uh, size planes is you'll start using metal gear servos. When you start using metal gear servos, you're locking, you're basically screwing in a metal screw into a metal gear servo so, or metal. Anything metal to metal, whether it's a servo or your frame on a helicopter or anything it has to be loctited 
blue Loctite, I think across the board works perfectly for every application for the most part. So that's really the only one I ever carry. It's just blue Loctite. Make sure every metal to metal part is Loctite. It was, I've had things fail on me when they weren't. And it just, you know, it's just, it sucks because you're now, you know, what a, a $5 little part, you know, failing on you is now costing you $300. I can think back to those first couple 450s I had, and I used Loctite so sporadically. Like, <laughs> I can, when I'm when you say that and I'm thinking back, I'm like, I couldn't tell you whether I went over that helicopter or not. <laughs> like, I'm surprised that thing even flew. Yeah. Um, and one thing about Loctite, too, is you don't need a lot. No. A lot of people have the misconception of, Okay, I have this bolt. It's going into metal. I'm going to put a drop on it and then screw it in. That drop is probably three times the amount you're supposed to actually use. Um, it's going to make it really hard to to take that bolt or screw or piece out because it's just like it's just coated in Loctite. Um, a neat trick that I do is I have a piece of paper towel next to me when I'm Loctiting anything. I put a drop on the... Uh, the end of the screw and then I take my finger and just kind of roll it and you'll see the screw thread get halfway up wet and that's all I put it's half that thread it's you know kind of spread out and it's not dripping it's not like really too visible but that's enough and yeah, it's going to spread when you screw that screw into the hole yep and it'll spread so that way you just kind of you know another trick a lot of people do too is like you kind of thread it in all the way and then thread it back a little and then and then do your final thread in lockdown you know, I don't yeah. really do that, but some people, you know, they do recommend it. I've seen videos on folks recommending that. I was going to say you don't need 400 pounds of pressure either on these 1.5 millimeter <laughs> socket head bolts either. Yeah. Like, just put it in. I mean, obviously, if it's, you know, holding your main blades on on a helicopter, or your blade grips. Yeah. You want to have them pretty damn tight. But, yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying do it loose. Just get it tight and let the Loctite do what it's got to do. Right. Yeah, it's not like a hose where, you know, the, the tighter you wrench it onto the faucet, the least likely it is to leak. No, it just has to be snug. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the Loctite is kind of, you know, will dry up. It basically kind of seize that bolt into that metal piece. Kind of like a gap filler, almost like glue. Because I've had to replace a few things on the Goblin 380, and <laughs> they were yeah. extremely tight to the point where I think it was the feathering shaft. I had to actually yeah. bend it and put it in a vise because that's just a a straight piece of cylindrical tubing, metal tubing that has like threads on each side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, Anthony, how much pounds of pressure <laughs> you're putting on that. But it crap. wasn't pounds of pressure. He just globbed Loctite on it. He used to glob. And I don't think he does that anymore. But, oh. yeah, before he used to, he was, he was a beginner, didn't really know. Um, and he just globbed a drop of Loctite, you know, just put a drop on the tip and start screwing it in. That's way too much, you know. Other than that, I love it. I love the 380. 380 is a beast. I love it too. I can't wait to fly mine again. When you fly, um, try to fly within your means. And I, I mean like, you know, you, you, like once you get comfortable flying, you know, you might have your friends come to the field with you or the park. You know, you can try showing off a little, but fly <laughs> within your means a little. Don't be like, oh, I could do this thing. And then especially with helicopters, because they will slap you in the face and say, no, you can't. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. Definitely, you know, like push yourself a little to gain, you know, more experience and, and, and kind of figure things out and gain more skill. But 
don't go way beyond your means to of your flying ability and think you can handle it because it'll tell you real quick. Gravity doesn't mess around. Yeah, and flight test always says get a couple mistakes high and definitely do that. Yeah, even if you're gonna try something new well, or something and, unexpected. And on the you know within your skill level, you know that I'm a big fan of buying within your skill level. Again, don't yeah. don't be embarrassed if you're a beginner or intermediate or whatever. Um, because if you buy something that, that's outside your skill level, you're not going to have fun. And and then what's the point of the hobby? Right. Right. You know, if you, if you break it or, or whatever, you know, because it just was a little bit too much and, and, you know, it could be, it could be speed or it could be the size of it or whatever. Sure. So. It could just be the wing type, right? It could be a warbird, right? Yeah. Warbirds are not good beginner planes. They just have too many bad tendencies. So, you know, but you don't know, you're like, Oh, that Spitfire is what I want or that, you know, Stearman or something, you know, it's, well, and that's and that's one of the things that beginners tend to make a mistake on is they, they buy their first plane as if it's going to be the only plane they're going to buy. Right. Let me let me break it to you now. It's not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you look at any of us in the hobby, we have stacks of planes. Yeah. So go ahead and buy the plane, and 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 your first plane is going to end up so ugly because yes. you're going to be beating it up. And if you buy the plane that's pretty and that's it's the plane you've been wanting forever, you're going to be afraid to fly it because you're going to be afraid to. To scratch it, it's like having that new car, you know, versus the old beater truck. You, you you want that? You want the reliable, you know, thing that you know when you put a dent in it or a scratch on it, you break it and you have to re-glue it back together. You're not going to care what it looks like. You just have fun flying it. Yeah, right. If you do actually buy a plane that you know, Kevin, like a P51 or something <laughs> as your first plane, um, you know, you're going to crash it, but know that you can glue it back together for the most part. Gorilla glue works really well with foam. It fills in gaps, and there's a method of, of getting a good job done on it. But yeah, but like Fred said, I mean, you're gonna, it's gonna start to look pretty beat up and all that too. You know, just be aware yeah. of that. Yeah, definitely, Sequoy. That's why I like the. <laughs> that's why I really fell in love with the flight test stuff. Yeah, me too. Said it a million times. Because I mean, the most I've ever broken on a flight test plane is pretty much those nine gram servos and maybe a motor like. You know, from digging into dirt real deep, you know, like or, really or asphalt nose on. Yeah, yeah, like doing something like that where you bend the main shaft, and it's just not worth to replace the uh, motor shaft compared to buying just another, you know, ten dollar motor. So, yeah, you know, and that's what I like. Like my Vigan, I mean, I used Metal Gear servos in there um, after the first version because I ended up stripping a servo, and after that. I've been using the same electronics in every single version. Same receiver, same battery, same EDF once I upgraded from version 1 to the 12 bladed fountain version 2.1. I think I still have the same servos in mine from version 1. I know it's definitely the same EDF and, and uh, motor. Yeah. Not the same battery. You guys did have me yelling at the radio last week with the last week's podcast where you're talking about you use the same battery for every flight test plane, and then you're complaining about how it flew. Um, you know, they, some of those planes are very much weight specific, and if you put a little bit too much nose weight in because you got a bigger battery than you're supposed to, it's not going to fly the way it's advertised, and you're going to get upset. And you know, don't, don't it's not the plane's fault in that time. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I try to CG the best I can, even if it's like a bigger battery or a smaller battery, like. I don't care where that battery lies inside a fuselage. I'll just stuff it in there. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> well, uh-huh. if you end up having to add tail weight and you're adding more and more and more weight to the plane to try to get to balance, it's not going to fly on the wings the way it was originally intended sure. with the battery that was recommended. Right. There's too much so, load. Right. Um, Fred, you're talking to the guy that's putting retracts in most of his 
stuff like yeah, that stuff and uh, steerable tail wheels. <laughs> well, I'm not talking to you guys. You're, yeah. you're beyond help. I'm talking to the audience here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we, nice. we actually found that, like in in the case with the Punjet, that it definitely flew better having a heavier battery up front and more nose weight. And I know the same thing with the Versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I, I run into with people with with the customer service stuff, they either want to underbuy or overbuy on their transmitter. Yes. Uh, don't the transmitter is the one thing that's gonna be in your hand every single time you fly. You know, you might have five, ten, twenty planes, helicopters, quadcopters, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're gonna only have that one transmitter. I mean, well, I don't, I've got like ten. But you know, <laughs> chances are you're gonna have yeah. just the one transmitter for all your aircraft. Right. So don't don't cut yourself short trying to find a, a fifty dollar transmitter, um, but at the same time, you don't have to go out and spend five hundred dollars on a radio because it's got all the most up to date technology. Mm-hmm. Because as fast as technology changes, um, you know, with different telemetry settings and different things like that, you know, if you buy some a radio, you know, that you're hoping is going to last you for the next five years, it's going to be out of date by then. Um, so, so you want to kind of figure out what are you going to be flying for the next year or two. Yeah. And buy the radio for that. So to to add on to that, I mean, if you're a beginner, you're not sure about the hobby, then go buy your Orange RX or whatever, or the whatever their DS6i replica is, you know, or FR Sky. But once you know you're in the hobby, yeah, do what Fred's talking about. Like, get a decent radio. Don't buy. Don't cut yourself short on the transmitter, thinking that oh, you know. I only need four channels, or I only need six channels. I don't, you know. Yeah, you want something with a, a computer in it, you know, the programmable yes. radio. Um, but here's the thing: they'll go out and buy a, a budget radio off from, um, you know, one of those, you know, like nitroplanes or something like that that nobody else has. Yeah, the FR skies or but Wakera. buy a radio that's common. You know, yeah, I like the Spectrum stuff because everybody has it. You yes. go to the field; right. someone else is going to be able to break the menu down and, and go through it and set it up for you if you don't know what you're doing. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I love the Grappner stuff, but the, the, you know, you go to the field with the Grappner radios, it's almost probably not going to be able to, now the, the menus on them aren't that hard to navigate, but they're just enough different that it's going to be confusing. Sure. Um, especially as a beginner, that's going to be like, what is what? What's this? You know, especially if they start using different names, different terminologies, like I think Jedi, Jetty, they use different terminology or Futaba does, or even like Futaba versus Spectrum and how they do their expo curves. Yeah. Positive or negative. Right, you know, and, but and the other thing is too, that radio that you buy now, buy a decent one because that's going to be your backup radio. Because when you go and you buy your next radio, you spend a little bit more money on the more advanced radio a year or two from now. Um, you, if you break that radio, you have to send it in for a warranty repair, or 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 you got somebody that shows up the field with you and they don't have their radio, and yeah. you want them to fly some of your stuff. You know, you can hand them the second radio. So you want to buy something you you're going to want to keep. It just might you know you might want to improve on it later. Right, you know, just for buddy boxing too. Yeah, know? I really wish I kept my DX8 and not sell it when I bought my DX9 because I could have let Chloe use that. Oh yeah, know? she could have buddy boxed with that instead of having to buy another radio or or getting hooked up by a radio. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna say too, you know, if you can get your hands, I know the Hobby King ones are a little tough to get your hands on, but yeah, those orange ones are almost complete knockoff of the spectrum dx6 and yes i see yeah. ed from Air experimental airlines still flying with that so uh there was um the episode where they had the giant multi-rotor that they on um on mythbusters that they flew into uh the gel right, head right 
the guy on the Mythbusters was using an orange yeah. six-channel radio for the big quadcopter. It's like, wow. Yep. This, yep, I still remember seeing that. Yeah, the $60, you know, half-price knockoff. Yeah. Especially if I, you're like, you know, you're not sure. You're not sure about. But, I mean, that's going to help you out so much. But the problem is if you buy something too cheap, you're throwing it away. Right. Yeah. If you if you get into the hobby and you buy at least a semi decent radio, you could sell it to somebody else, and they're going to pay you. You know, maybe not at full price, obviously, but oh. you'll get some of your money back for sure. Right. Yeah, because yeah, there's always going to be new beginners in the hobby. Yep. And and not only that, um, you know, if you don't want to go with like a knockoff, like the orange uh, transmitters, check the forums, check Facebook. There's so many buy and sell groups on Facebook and on the okay. on the forums. Like uh, every my DX in fact actually every single transmitter I've had I can say except for the DX6i when I first started I've bought used DX8 DX9 my V control they're all used and they're great I've had no problems with them I've resold the DX8 after you know so these radios even if someone buys them at full price you can get them for 30% off and still be like new condition you know You'll find deals out there. I found them on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sure. It doesn't help to say this if you're starting out in a hobby, but uh, once you're you know in it for a little while, maybe at the entry level stuff, you know, being in a club, you can get so many crazy good deals. Yeah. From club members. Yeah. They'll hook you up. I went to the uh, Perry Swap Meet this year and got some good deals. Yeah, Swap Meets are excellent place. You know. Yeah. For sure. They need more of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <for sure. laughs> Definitely. I actually wanted to take a 72 or, uh, you know, a 27 millihertz uh, AM FM radio transmitter, like a old, old school Futaba. And I actually wanted to modify one to make it into like a, you know, use a module and do 2.4 gigahertz. I, I have one of the old metal yeah. box ones that uh, my friend Patrick, Earthside Teach, um, he sent it to me. He picked it up at a, a swap meet or, or, you know, Craig's looks fine or something like that. Right. And so I have this nice old metal box transmitter they're very square you know that that's what i plan to do is is get a you know you know wait are you talking about like the really old school one yes the oh, old, okay old, old bent metal box yeah yeah <laughs> okay i was and, thinking uh, more of a like 1990s 1980s you know am fm futaba but yeah, yeah no, this, the um kind of like what pat uh, not, uh peter did um with the uh the episode where he took the little, you know, the little ready to fly mini transmitter and put it into a wooden box. Yeah. I want to, I want to transfer like a, a, a basic, um, you know, spectrum transmitter over just the insides out over to the ah, other. So well, new they, technology and a vintage look. Nice. There yes. was a company that came out with a, a radio. Was it spect? It wasn't spectrum. No, it wasn't oh, spectrum. It was JR. It was JR. JR. JR right. did it, and someone else was doing it recently too. That like was JR funny because like a thousand dollars or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was listening to RCHN. Yeah, they as I was driving it. on the turnpike, and when they, you know, when they talk about certain things, I'll like, I'll pick up my phone and I'll start googling. I know I shouldn't be doing it while I'm driving. It. Bad Kevin. kids don't do that at home, but Bad in Jersey, Kevin it's, pulled over to do that. In Jersey, yeah. it's almost legal to. You might as well just do he it. He went to the the tech stops. I mean, w- what am I missing? The guy in front of me that's going to cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I pulled that up and I can remember listening to that episode and going, "Oh my god, it's like." 800 it was like 799 for that thing and it was just it was a six channel radio just right. in a vintage like wrapper yeah. <laughs> i was like wow I, I, th- I could i think i could build mine cheaper oh yeah. for sure yeah definitely <laughs> just don't put you know dx6i in there you get those for like 50 bucks these days yeah 
so another don't that I want to mention is this is helicopters, planes, multi, um, yeah, even multi rotors. Never fly behind the flight line or right above oh, you. Yeah, that's a big no no. Most clubs will actually like give you a demerit or take your AMA from you. Like you know, like obviously if it's an accident, it's an accident. But you know, definitely do your best not to ever fly right above you or behind you. Yeah. Um, another tip I have too is uh, for those folks that are flying with the XX eyes, like the older spectrum radios, never have your antenna straight up. Always have like a kink on it for the ones that have uh, DX8, DX7S, DX7, DX6I. Those radios where you can kind of fold the antenna 90 degrees, never have it pointing straight yeah. out. Yeah, don't point the antenna at the aircraft. Yes. That's the dead zone. It's the dead zone. Radio yep. waves spread out from the antenna from the sides, not straight like a laser beam out the tip. And we used to be guilty of that with the old 72 megahertz. You know, you'd, you'd, yeah. The, with a telescoping antenna that you'd pull out and it'd be five foot long. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you'd have people that think that, you know, they're supposed to point the antenna at the, at the aircraft, and that's the worst thing you can do. Yep, that's a dead spot. So don't do that. I have this one that I messed up on is your – it's just definitely – I mean this goes for planes too if you're making your own series connectors. But not even for that. Double check your soldering. When I started having some issues with some of my planes crashing or whatever, you know, the motor – it would look like the timings off in the motor. It would jitter when you try to start it up. I would say like seven out of ten times it's not timing. It's a bad solder joint within the three wires yep. of your brushless ESC. Oh, so what I usually do is wiggle the wire, and if it comes apart, you know that's a bad solder. So yeah, make sure make sure you when you solder, try to. And soldering is like we could probably do a whole topic on soldering because there's so many different ways yeah. and tips and stuff. But when when it comes to soldering, make sure you do a good job. Tin both ends, get as much wire, not solder connecting them, but much wire connecting those. Yeah, soldering I don't think is difficult, and I don't think you need an industrial soldering iron or. I don't even use those helping hands. Like I put a rubber band on a on a on a pair of pliers, and I stick oh, whatever I'm siring right in there. I do that yeah. all the time. Like that's like one of the best tips I got. That and putting a zip tie on your exacto knife. Yeah, that helped. That, helped that a lot. is a big do. <laughs> you need. Yes, that, that's an episode in itself too. <laughs> but let's just mention it. Um, yeah, that's definitely. And those are two things I got from flight test, man. Yeah. I think flight test, yeah, definitely put a zip tie on your uh, hobby knife if it's just completely cylinder round, because it will roll off the table one day and stab you in the foot. <laughs> and so. what the zip tie does is the uh, the nub on the zip tie where the right. you know, feeds through itself acts like a stopper to keep it from rolling. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, going back to just the series connector, though, make sure you, when you're wiring up the series connector, you wire it right. Because I wired it wrong, and I plugged the batteries in, and you know I burnt up a couple of connectors and the wire, and almost started a fire. So, yeah, um, yeah. Know. If if you're not sure, uh, definitely Google series versus parallel. Yes, for Google. Sure. I mean, message, oh, yeah. message yeah. us. You know, email us. We'll you know I'll go over it with you. I mean, I'll draw, I'll draw you a diagram and send it. Like. Yeah, when you're is, when you're messing with serial connectors, you want to make sure you do it right. Is there a point though where, like, battery wise, where you're hooking up two batteries though nowadays? Uh, other than helicopters, because 
planes do it too. They run oh, two yeah. five thousands on a big hundred ten inch wing plane. Or, or you might be like me. I I really just like having a whole bunch of twenty two hundreds. True. And if you want to make a six S, you make a six S, or you could you could um, you run know, a parallel for them, put them together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about multi rotors. You know, like some of the bigger. You know, maybe maybe bigger than five hundred, like six hundred size multi rotors and up. Like you're running two battery packs to get the flight time because it has the lifting capability. So, you know, you're you're taking say two four thousand three S's or four S's and you're running them in parallel, so you could get that eight thousand you know milliamp pack or whatever you want it. You know, so, right? Yeah, okay. and always don't forget the sim. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't push simming enough. You know, I, I don't do it all the time, but when I do sim, I see myself like I put music on headphones and I just sim with music and I just kind of at a certain point get in a groove where I'm like just doing some crazy stuff. And I'm like, it doesn't seem, you know, it's not that hard. I could reproduce it every time. Not, you know, next time I'm the field, I'm going to be trying some new moves, you know. And if you don't play it like a video game and really like look at it for yeah. what it's worth, you will definitely see revol- results from it and, yeah. and well, it, quickly. I'm guilty. I haven't, I haven't played with a sim in a while, but I used to. Um, and I'd have several guys that I'd talk to on the forums, and we'd would do a sim night, and we could get online like our um, real flight allows you to do it. You know, real time, yeah. multiple people in the same sim. Yep. Um, we used to have a lot of fun doing that. It'd be like going to the field, but you're in your living room. Yeah. Yeah, and we did I, that one night. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah, we should, we should definitely do that again. And one thing good about real flight, not to you know, promote real flight so much. That, but I really like that when you're simming multiplayer with multiple people, your friends, I like that you can kind of land your plane or helicopter and you can view their view. Yeah. So if they're like, hey, I got this new move I want to show you guys, you can, everyone can click onto the, to their view and you can see them do that new move. You can see the stick movements and stuff. It's really cool. Yep. It's pretty awesome. I, I had one on the list that I hadn't touched yet. Um, it's yeah. more of a, a, a you know, buying etiquette sort of thing. Sure. And I don't know if it happens as much anymore because it's hard to find local hobby shops. Um, but I used to hear the, the hobby shop owners complain a lot where someone would come in, they'd shop with them, they'd, they'd take the plane down, ask them a bunch of questions, and then they'd leave. And then the next thing you know, the hobby shop owner, the guy comes back in, they bought the plane, but not from him. They went online. And they broke it or they're having a hard time setting up and they want the hobby shop guy to set it up for them. And uh, that that really made them upset. So don't do that. Don't buy gear online and take it to a hobby shop and ask them to set it up for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, to add to that, <laughs> one of my hobby shop, you know, my local hobby shop guy, he's he's pretty cool. You know, I, I go often just to go chat with him and see how he's doing. Um, what he does is he if he if you buy a helicopter or a plane or, you know, he'll help you set it up, pretty much for free. You know, he'll, you could ask questions. You could do all this stuff. Um, the moment you buy something from somewhere else and bring it to him, oh, oh, you want me to take a look at that? That's $75 charge. Yeah. Like, they're not going to do free diagnostic. You're not going to – you'll get hooked up. Even if you spend a little bit more money at the local hobby shop, as long as the guy – the hobby shop owner or the, the people there are into the hobby – 99% of the time, they're just going to help you out, you know, and maybe you'll have to pay for parts and some of his time if he's repairing it for you. But, you know, he can take a look at it and be like, oh, yeah, it looks like this is messed up. You know, we we'll probably need to replace that. You buy from somewhere else and you bring it. They're going to charge you, you know, a diagnostic fee. Who, who wants to do that? Then, you know, then at that point, that model costs you more than, yeah. you know, 
you would have just when you bought it from them. So and support your local hobby shops, you know. Yeah, my guy, uh, he's got the same prices as Horizon Hobby, mm-hmm. like exactly the same price. I know, which is great because like I'll stop there and get a receiver from him. Um, I've always said, you know, I want to go in there and buy one of those little micros. Sure. I think, I think I'm getting out of that, but uh, yeah, dude, his <laughs> prices. He's actually said it to me, and I've checked it out. They're exactly the same as Horizon Hobbies, which is awesome, man. Because then I don't have to wait. Yeah, yeah. And- I, mm-hmm. I had a, you know one of the, the you know I got a hobby shop I found that was a little over an hour from me, but it, you know that's close for around here. Um, he'll match whatever the online price is, you know, like from Horizon, not from you know, not uh, from eBay, not, <laughs> not from eBay. Banggood or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if, if it's a if it's a plane he's carrying the Horizon plane, he'll match what's online. Yeah, and most hobby shops will also honor like. You know, Horizon Hobby recently had like a 10% coupon or 10% off of like something. They'll honor that stuff too because they pretty much kind of are an extension of these like manufacturers and their um, online stores, right? If you go to horizonhobby.com or whatever. So they can, you know, for the most part, give you the same discount that you might be able to get on their, you know, like their coupon discounts, you know, that type of deal. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's definitely a do. Like try to support your local hobby shop. Um you know, one of the things is like this person, this you know, these these people that open up a hobby shop and they dedicate all their time and and you know their hobby is just like you. You know, there are people just like you. They're they're trying to make a living. You know, just like you, and they're doing something that they're passionate about. And you know, so support that passion. Support it for them. Support it for you. Support it for the community and just the hobby in general because the hobby is changing recently for sure. And, you know, I know a lot of people buy online, and I do too. I'm guilty of it because um, I can wait, and I can get it online cheaper usually. But the hobby shops know that. They know that. Yeah. People are buying a lot. of So, so either to compete, they're either going to match it or they're going to be out of business. Yeah. They're going to either match it, but then they're going to – they have the expertise too. They have so the expertise, and, they, and you don't have to wait. That's like two yeah. points. That's something that's gotten a lot better. When um when electrics were first coming out, you'd run into that problem where, you know, the hobby shop owners knew the the nitro planes, they knew balsa planes, they didn't know foam, and they didn't know electric, and they thought it was a gimmick, they thought it was a you know a fad, right? And so they didn't bother to learn about it, and they'd only buy what they were told to buy from Horizon or or Tower Hobbies back then. Yeah. Right. Um. So they would always have you know stuff that was, you know, you could definitely buy cheaper online. Uh, but you know, times have changed, and they've caught up with that, and they realize that you know. And, and if 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 there's a hobby shop that survived through the internet um, mm-hmm. to now, then they they kind of know what's going on. They know yeah. they know the deal. Yeah, my guy, I don't think has an online presence at all, and he's been there. I gotta ask him next time I go in there how long he's been in business. He's been there ever since I can remember. That hobby shop's been there. Like I, he's yeah. gotta been there since the seventies. Yeah, probably. Another thing that's good about the hobby shops, especially if um, that I notice, is for parts. If I crash a helicopter and I have like, say like, you know, maybe like fifty dollars worth of parts I need to get something, you know, like a couple of parts, a couple of links and stuff, um, you'll you'll be able to go go there and they can order the part for you if they don't have it or if they have it, great. But they can order the part for you, and you don't have to pay the shipping that you yeah. would have to pay if you were to order it yourself. So you're waiting the same amount of time because you're both ordering it, but they'll cover the shipping because of their their rates and all that stuff that they get for being a hobby shop, you know, being a store. So that's a nice benefit too. 
and you can find out like if you wear clubs or uh, you can. I mean, you can use the internet for that, but you can also pick up little things that are local to you at, in yeah. the hobby shop shop while you're in there. Yeah, I mean, nine out of ten times, the person, the owner, the people that work there are probably members of a club, so they can kind of give you recommendations or you talk to them. They're like, yeah, you know, you have a make. Why don't you come by our local field and and you know fly and see how you like it? Yep. You know? I I had a guy that was a uh, had a hobby shop in town. Um, and he used to actually, he'd call me up or he'd, he'd give my number out to people that came in and had questions, um, you know, to help me help them set things up on their, their aircraft. So, you know, <laughs> they might not know it, but they might know someone that does. Sure. Yeah. Nice. All right. I do have one more don't. This is from a listener. Um, double check your charger setting when you charge. Don't mix battery chemistry. Don't charge on the nickel metal hydrate setting when you're charging light bulbs or lifey setting when charging light bulbs or you know, vice versa. Um, yeah. Be careful when you charge. Let's just say that. You know, do yeah. be careful when you charge. Yeah. Yeah, you just said, Steve, that you know, you don't actually monitor your batteries as you're charging all the time. Like you're not sitting there right next to it. No, I'm not sitting right next to it. I mean, you know, oftentimes, like at home, I charge at one C. I never, I mean, unless it's like the morning of like the day I'm going to go out, and I'm like, oh man, I got to get these things charged and go. For the most part, like I'll charge at one C. I don't always parallel charge. I'll probably just do one battery at a time and kind of take Jeez. it easy. You know, not me, dude. I got like three, two to three batteries on two C all the time, <laughs> and never do one C anymore. I don't know. I, I still do it. Like I come home and like I'll just charge a battery. And most batteries at one C um, will take about basically thirty minutes to charge. And I'll sit there one thirteen hundred thirty minutes. Beep beep beep. Next one. I just do it all night. You know, like I'll I uh, yeah, I charge mine at one C, but I've got um, three chargers on my setup, so I can charge three three batteries at a time. Okay. Oh yeah. wow. Nice. I made a little cabinet that's got. You know, three different battery chargers mounted to it. Nice. Yeah, I had the box with two of them in there, but those are those little ones. Now that I got the the twenty four volts, and geez, I can charge at thirty amps if I want to. Man, I just I do two C. You know, I'll hook up three, two to three batteries, like I'm saying. Everything's yeah. thirty minutes. The, yeah. the and and tops. since we're on the charger topic, real quick for the beginners. Again, this is another thing that you don't want to overly cheap out on, um, <laughs> because yeah. It's it's the life of your battery. It's also you know potential fire risk. Yeah. Um, those those chargers that don't have any sort of display that you just kind of plug it in and hope it charges. Oh yeah, no. I don't like them. I mean they're good for like the little you know two or three cell eight hundred battery maybe, but if you get up into anything bigger than that, yeah. I definitely want the um, I want the screen that I can monitor what the charge is being put into each mm-hmm. each cell. Um, yeah, because it's so frustrating. You can't see what's going on. Yeah. yeah, you're waiting you don't for know. this red light to turn green or vice versa. It's like, right. it's like watching water boil sucks. Yeah, and so if, if you don't know if all the cells are being charged properly or anything. So I like the ones that I can monitor. And, and you can pick them up for 30 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Make sure you get it with the um, the plug that plugs into the wall because you can buy the you know Hobby King or whatever. You can buy the $20 charger, but, but it's unless you plug it into right. a battery, yeah, you know, alligator clips, you're not going to you know, you have to buy a separate power supply right power supply or battery so basically we're talking about the ac dc chargers yeah. that can charge off a car battery deep cycle battery or a 12 volt power supply 
but it also has a built-in converter that you can plug into the wall. Yes. Um, I do find that as I got deeper into the hobby, the DC chargers just seem to be like the ones that can hire, handle higher capacity and you know push more amps and stuff like that. But I went cheap. I mean, I've used this, you know, knock on wood, but I used this Turnigy, um, I forgot the exact name of it. It's a reactor. A, the reactor, yeah. It's a it's basically a 20 amp charger, does 300 watts, up to 6S battery packs. And, I, you know, come find out recently, running it on 24 volts, I can only do 14 amps, 15 amps, but still, like 15 amps doing 1300, um, 6 1300, 3S batteries is insane. Like, that's, and that's only 2C or like less than 2C, it's like 1.8 or whatever it is. But it charges it in like 20, 30 minutes, all six batteries done. Nice. All balanced, ready to go. Um, yeah, I really but, don't yeah. know how I live without the setup I got now, man. I mean, the chargers you had before weren't that bad, though. Like, one was what, like a Thunder Power? Yeah, was one it? was the Thunder Power and one was the cheap Nitro Planes one. One was yeah. like 20 bucks. The other one was the one I won. But still, right. they were both the same. Like, when you crack those open, they have AC to DC converter inside mm-hmm. that is rated at like 5 amps. So you're not yeah. getting that charger past that at all. Right, and try to charge, uh, you know. So when you're charging 2200s, I mean, I've said it before, you can charge one 2200 at like mm-hmm. 4.4, which is 2C. Mm-hmm. But if you have two, I mean, you're only charging at 1C. So that's yeah. why, I, I, yeah. I mean, safely, I, I think I'm safe about it to charge at 2C. I don't really go above that unless I'm testing it out. Like when Steve gave me the power supplies that he had just recently, I, I wanted to sh- just see if they could go up to like 24 amps. So I think I had, <laughs> I had maybe three batteries hooked up and they were charging at three C like, or something like that. Wow. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't fully charged. Like I just wanted to make sure that the yeah, output of the power supplies could, mm-hmm. could handle the amperage. Cause after my, my initial power supplies that I had gotten and thought they were working correctly, you know, I, I hooked them all up and they were only putting out like two amps. Because I don't think I had the pinouts correct in the back. So, I mean, you get into a little more crazier, you know, kind of, I don't know if you want to call it backyard or setups or... DIY. DIY electronics, yeah. Shade tree. I'd say, yeah, yeah DIY <laughs> is a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I really like it. I think it's definitely worth it for me, man. I, I, I enjoy being able to charge those batteries no matter what I have, like 25, 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, don't get us wrong. If you want to buy a, a DC battery charger and you don't want to mess with these power supplies and hacking them up, um, and you have the money, really, that's what it comes down to. They cost, like, you could buy one of those Meanwell power supplies that handle, you know, 1,000, 2,000 watts or whatever it is, but you're spending four or $500 just for that power supply. You know, and then you got to match it up with a decent charger that can actually utilize those power supplies. So that's another three, four hundred dollars. So, you know, and then if you want a nice case and you go to Progressive RC or one of these companies, you know, you're easily in the thousand dollar range to have a nice charging setup. Or email me. Uh, I'll send you the STL files. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or email. (laughs) A lot of the guys I see at the field have a a 12 volt battery in the back of their car and and they're using that battery Mm -hmm. and they're they're fine with that. A lot of guys yeah. are happy with that. One thing I want to say, stay away from, and it's kind of it, it kind of goes with what Fred says about like don't buy a cheap charger. I've seen a lot of these chargers, the BA six 
ACDC. It's like a blue charger. It says IMAX on it. Those chargers, they're so heavily cloned that when you go to like Hobby King and you look at their, um, you know, chargers, you're like, cool, ACDC chargers, sort by that. You'll see that there's one that's like $16 and one that's like $25. And you're like, what's the difference? And one says genuine on it. <laughs> I actually would just say stay away from those chargers entirely. Like, you know, I would rather go for Eternity chargers because at least even if it's a clone, it's maybe just more, it's them, at least, you know. I think Hobby King's great at cloning shit, you know, like Turnigy's great at cloning stuff. Well, and, and the key to that is, you know, if you're buying the clone ones that are really, really cheap, the quality control on the soldering inside them is not going to be as good. The components aren't. Yeah. And, and and it's a computer, and it, the computer fails, Yeah. and, and it, it accidentally tells your, you know, it starts putting out the wrong input for, or the wrong voltage um, for your battery or something. Yeah, you just caused a fire. Yeah, right. I mean, think about if like some you know resistor burns out or some capacity burns out while you're charging. Like, then that could just open up the floodgates of having a lot of electricity, a lot of amps come right to your battery, and that's how lipo fires it while you're charging happens. I think, in my opinion, when something fails on the charger or the battery is really heavily damaged. Um, really damaged batteries from a crash. Do you keep them? Do you throw them away? Do you, you know, what do you do? You're- Use them for target practice? Use them for target practice? Jam a nail through with a really long nail? I have every battery I've ever purchased. Yes, in a bucket next to the neighbor's house. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what else to do with them. I mean, I hear people say that salt water is not actually a good way of discharging batteries. I'm getting a little nervous watching these guys to cut the leads off and just drop it in the lipo box at the uh, Best Buy. I'm waiting for one of those to catch on fire. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Home Depot. That's a good yeah. idea. I'll do that because I can't stand Best Buy. Oh, so I guess don't just throw your batteries away. You know, you have a lipo battery and it's like, oh, I kind of sandwiched it, you know, in the crash, pancaked it, you know, don't just throw it in the garbage. Well, more importantly on that, and it is a kind of a good thing that you brought up, don't just throw it in with a battery box on your drive home. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, because yeah. if that thing goes, because they act like flares, and if it all of a sudden sets off, yeah. you know, you got a fire in the back of your car. And it keeps going. and Yeah. yeah. How are you going to put it out? So that there, I mean, that's definitely a fact. You know, I I keep a separate battery bag or a, a, a battery box that I can put my, you know, if I have a damaged battery, it go right in the box. Yeah. And uh, you know, if it does flare up, it's it's protected to a degree. Um, I may may or may not have driven with it um, with the wires pinched in between the window of my vehicle and and the door. Um, <laughs> if it caught fire, I could just roll down the window and let it fall. I I I, I might may or may not have done that ever. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good or maybe not good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not not a pro tip. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's one of the good things about like being part of a club is like if I were to sandwich a battery, we have a a lipo like, not really. I guess it's a disposal. I don't know what it is, but it's a it's a you know a bucket full of sand that you could throw your lipo in there. And yeah. It seems like everyone does it, and and then every once in a while, if I'm there late enough, you know, me and a couple members will will drive a nail through it, you know. <laughs> and I tell you, they don't flame up as much as they used to. I noticed that. You ever do a success battery? No, I can't say I have. They do flare up pretty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the smaller batteries definitely three S's, four S's aren't too bad. Uh, this is kind of a tangent, but wait a minute. So, what idiot was driving a nail through a battery? Huh? Was that you? No. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus from the club, dude. Oh. 
I've done it. Does it rhyme with Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, jeez. But then I'm sure you can guess the the other name. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Was oh, I shouldn't even ask you that? Forget it. I was going to ask you if alcohol was involved, but don't answer. Don't answer that because we don't drink no. at our club no, or anything no like that. Involved. I like no. what Fred had. A don't was it was the last one he had. Don't assume that it's the product that's faulty when something doesn't work like it's expected. It's yeah, it's a product. I, I get that a lot in customer service. Um, they immediately want a you know exchange on the product, um, and lots of times you know I'll work with them and and it's you know they didn't they didn't have the right cord for the nays board. Um, not all the not if you guys are doing the multi rotors and, and you're trying to set up your nays board and you it just doesn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the the micro USB cords for your cell phones are just for charging. They don't even have the wire in the yes. data transfer. Yes. Oh, really? So if you're using that, yeah. you can't. You're not going to be able ever get to be able to bind. Um, you have to set up the drivers on it. If you don't set up your drivers, it's never going to recognize the board. You have to make sure that you select the right board uh, <laughs> when you're setting up your clean flight or base flight because if you're trying to you know program a different board um yeah. it's, it's not gonna not gonna oh, work you're gonna break the you're gonna break it you know basically load wrong firmware and you won't be able yeah. to access it and you have to do this bootloader re- the, the little bootloader tabs reset yep pain yeah. in the butt with with the multi stuff it's it's funny because i was listening to rchn guys today and their show and uh one of the big things about multi is like a lot of people love it and want to get into it but it's all electronics it's like ninety five percent of soldering and configuring and like all electronic stuff. Like, and I mean, unless you're an electrical engineer, that, that stuff is gets confusing. Um, so talk to your local hobby shop, talk to you know other people to, on the forums, talk to people in real life, like who are into it. That you you know, and ask them for help because they'll know how to do it. They've done it. Once you do it once or twice, you kind of get the hang of it and you'll know how to do it yourself. But that initial time, ask for help. I can't stress the amount of like, you know, I, I always put myself out there. I want people to ask for help if they want to learn something or they have a question about something. And I don't mind. That's fine. You know, if I have the time to reply to your question, I will. One of the, one of the things I had is an article I wrote a while back for a flight test is, uh, you know, the kind of do's and don'ts of, of being out in, in public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if people ask you questions, answer the questions. Maybe maybe say, hey, listen, let me let me lay on my plane first or let me lay on my, my aircraft first. Sure, yeah. But – Every time you're out there and somebody comes up to you or they see you doing something in public, you are a steward for the hobby. Yeah. Um, so do be responsible. Do and and do be friendly. Um, you know, I mean, maybe public speaking is not your strong point, but you know, so give them a link to the podcast here. Give them a link to the flight test stuff. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Anytime we can we can make the public a little less afraid because the media is doing such a great job of scaring everybody all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, make it. You know, let them let them see you through your FPV goggles. Yeah. And say, hey, look at, can you see that person's face? Can you make them out? You know, right. we're not spying on anybody with this stuff. The, the 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 you know the quality of the image in those goggles, we can't tell who's who most of the time unless it's you know they're wearing a bright color shirt or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- loan them the goggles. Let them see what it looks like and and get them that experience. Um, yeah, I often say that uh, I do card accessing cameras for a living, and I often say the cameras that I install that are thirty five to one zoom, you can't even see them. And they're they're able to tell they're able to see you, and yes. tell who you are. If yeah, you know, if we're looking at the back of a building, you know, and we're a quarter of a mile away, you won't you can't see that camera. You don't even know what it is. I often say that you know you should be more worried about that kind of stuff. 
Yes, the cell phones and things like that. Yeah, yeah. These FPV cams, even the GoPros and uh, you know the Mobius cams and stuff. They they're not. They're, they're such a wide angle. They're such a wide angle. They just want like a nice, you know, port like a picture, the scenic picture. That's yeah, all we're getting. Yeah, we're broad picture. Right. And and and, to, and explain that to the people too, if they you know if they ask you because you know and invariably it's you just spying on me with that. No, here yeah. take a look. Um, you know the camera. If if I had a, a long lens on it. To try to zoom in on something, the the platform's too shaky to have a good image. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, you can't so, zoom in right. Um, you know, a little bit of explanation goes a long way, and and you know, um, so that you know, remember, you're 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 you know, do be a good steward when you're out in public, and and do do give a good example on you know that yeah, you know, we're not idiots and we're not jerks. We're we're just out trying to have fun for ourselves. Yeah, that's basically it. You're, you want to go out and have fun if you're at a park or something. And- you know, somebody comes up and says, hey, you know, I'm not comfortable with that flying around or whatever. Hey, you know what? I'll come back or I'll go to another yeah. park. All right. I'll land. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, what was it? I think we went. Where did we get? Oh, it was the Maker um, event where we met Flight Test there. And, you know, I got a whole bunch of business cards from them. And every time at Green Pond, someone new came up. Right. You know, take a look at Flight Test. Check out their stuff. You know, if you're interested you know, and just kind of sharing that knowledge, being a nice person to someone completely stranger, you know, and, and you know, hopefully one of these days you'll talk to someone that actually maybe works for the FAA or maybe works for the government. It's like, you know, I've met a couple of these guys. They're, they're not spying on us. They're not doing anything dangerous, or, you know, or, or you're being responsible and you're safe and you know what your perimeter is. Sure. Um, I actually I actually had some business cards printed out with my name and, and email address on it and the mm-hmm. flight test um, you know, website. So that, you know, it because people come up to you, they don't, you know, they, they saw it on YouTube and they want to know more about it. Right. Well, maybe you don't have time to sit there and, and show them every detail. Well, here, here's a card. You right. can go find out more. Exactly. That's what I was using for. And I gave out probably about 30 cards, <laughs> you know, that I yeah. got from Flight Test that day. And, you know, if they want to give me more, I will hand them out because I think especially what Flight Test is doing and the way that they approach uh, the beginner aspect and everything is the right way. You know, it makes it approachable. You know, they're very, they're awesome people. They're so nice, you know. So it's like, hey, I know that if I send you to their way, you know, they won't do you wrong. And you'll you'll have a great time. If you're not into it, so be it, you know. But at least um, you met the good in this hobby and not the the bad. Right. Well, I I, I think that's a good spot to wrap up the do's and don'ts. Yeah. All right. Cool. What's next for you? Oh, wait. No, no. Sorry. I missed the news section. (laughs) <laughs> all right fred you, you got something news. on here i i just i don't know yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> fred go well if you've been paying any attention to uh you know the news lately yes. um last week or so the uh there was there was a story about over in england heathrow airport a uh airliner coming into land said that they had struck a drone and i don't know what what is an airline jet big jet airline coming in at two three hundred miles an hour four hundred miles an hour um at you know you would think three, yeah Mm-hmm. You, you think that if that thing hit something as solid as a you know phantom or whatever, mm-hmm. the there would be some sort of damage to the aluminum hull of it. Oh, definitely. Uh, and so, all of a sudden, you read the story. If you if you went past the headlines, which few people do, mm-hmm. if you read the story, they immediately cleared. You know, they had the engineers and they had the maintenance guys go out there check the plane over. Mm-hmm. They immediately cleared it for service. They, there was no repair necessary. So right off the bat, even before I, I found out any more on it. Um, to me, that says, you know, either 
it was a misidentification or you know a misclaim, or the drones are not nearly the threat that they've been saying. That you know, here's this plane put right back in service. Right. Um, but but then the 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 punchline to the story is here's uh, <laughs> it, it turns out maybe the drone was actually a plastic bag. Yep. So if you've ever seen a, a, a shopping bag get caught up in the wind and, and so float away cool. in a thermal, you know it's possible that the 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 white object that the airline pilot saw go past his wing was actually a plastic bag and not a drone. This is why we need to go back to paper bags. I yeah. like the paper bags. <laughs> I can put them as book covers. I could do a yes. lot of things with them. <laughs> no, but I, I I saw that Fred and I, I had a laugh because I read I read the article and I was like. Okay, it was at seventeen hundred feet. Uh, I mean, almost like you know a third of a mile in the air, and I don't know how many drones are up that high. I mean, I guess guys well, could do that. No, I mean, but, people uh, can do it. You know. And fortunately, fortunately for us, it did make some news because it was humorous that the idea that you know a plastic bag drone, same thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but the 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 sad thing is. There is so much media out there that's been, you know, just demonizing the drones and saying that there's all these sightings that there, there's no accountability. You know, if the pilot misidentifies it and claims it's a drone, it doesn't hurt him and he actually helps them because they're worried about drones taking their business. Um, right. But it's hurting us because, right. you know, every time the, the media points out, hey, look, another drone was near an airplane, whether or not it was a drone, they're still they're, the FAA is still coming after us for that. And, and I wish they would, you know, kind of. Maybe look into this a little bit more, and how many how many of these sightings were actually plastic bags or something along those yeah. lines? Oh, and I can guarantee you that statistically, they they are not taking this out of the drone strike statistic. They're going to leave that right in. They're they're not going to say, oh well, that one was a plastic bag, and we- well, it, yeah, you know, they'll still be listed as reported whether or not it was an right. actual strike. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's my news. So yeah, what's next for you in the hobby? What's coming up for you? Um, Let's go with Kevin. All right, man. I am still going to be working on that project. Like I said, I hope to maiden it this weekend. I'm kind of psyched about it. Yeah. And I can. I was. I was thinking about the larger one. As I'm, I'm still thinking about that as I'm doing the smaller one. That I'll probably down the road once I get it all, you know, together. I don't know what stage I'll have it in, whether it'll be painted or not. But I'll probably have a day where, like, that's the only thing I bring out to the field to. Because it's going to take a while to like set that up and you know get it all together. So it's, it's going to be in a lot of pieces, I think. Come on, not the only thing. You got to at least bring one or two helis. Well, uh, yeah. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, plane, plane wise, yes. No. <laughs> yeah. So I was just looking forward to that, man, and more 3D printing. So give us a little hint. What do you think the big one's wingspan is going to be? Just a wingspan. I'm just curious on how big. Was that your your 200% Mustang was what? Um. 80-something inch? 80-inch? Man, I'd have to look at whatever the... I think it was. Yeah, I think it was like 80 or 84. Well, what's the regular Mustang? Fred, do you know? 42. It's 42. Bigger than 40? I thought it was a little bit less than 40, but I could be mistaken, too. Um, But, okay, so so about 80-inch. And this one, you're projecting to be how big? 94. Ooh, wow. 94 inches, yeah. You just rounded up to 100. I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, that, what, what's six inches at that point? The, right, <laughs> half a foot. That's the plans I'm printing out. I don't know. I've already kind of like just gonna set it at that. Two hundred two percent. Two hundred two percent. Oh, okay. I, and I looked that up. It's forty inches on the regular size oh, Mustang. But it's eighty. Okay. okay. Nice. Yeah. Oh man, if you went a foot and a half bigger, 
or a little more than a foot and a half bigger, like 20 inches bigger this year. Eh. Either way, I think that plane's going to be amazing. So Yeah, I want to pay more attention to like the details of it. Like the FT yeah. Mustang was cool. It was it's definitely not a scale Mustang, but it you know, it is what it is and it's great and I had a lot of fun with it. But this one I want to pay more attention to like like I said, the the exhaust and yeah, the machine guns and just more attention to the details of it. Nice. Well, they they have these uh IMAC, I think it is, meets the the giant scale um, you know, warbird meets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have a size limit. There's a minimum wing size limit. That a lot of the um, you know the, the foam and, and even some of the balsa ones just don't quite meet. I would love to see somebody show up to one of those with a uh, foam board uh, <laughs> airplane. What the size is, huh? And, oh yeah, it's like you know ninety six inches or something like that. And biplanes get away with like eighty, but um, yeah, you have definitely have to have a minimum wingspan to get in, be able to you know fly at these events. I would love to see someone show up with a foam board one that that meets those requirements. They have to let it in. <laughs> I did check out the details of one of those that was local to us up here, and it was exactly like you said. Uh, the biplanes were like eighty inch, and the yeah, it was a warbird. Uh, it was like a giant scaler, giant warbirds over something. Yeah, and I and was I like, don't oh, I could jerk about it. I, I think it'd just be. I think the guys would finally get a kick out of it. That you know. Oh, I'd take it there. I'd take it there for sure. The um, the Mustang for sure. Even the other one when I get done with it. Yeah. I'd, t- I'd definitely take the Mustang though. That'd be a pisser. Yeah, so I'm just kind of doing a quick Google search. For upper class, the, the planes have to be 8 inches or actually 25% of the full scale hmm. for iMac. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Let's see. Uh, Fred, what's, what are you going to be up to next? Well, um, like I said earlier, I really want to try to put together some sort of a FT groups field trip. Mm-hmm. to you Because, know, like I said, we have a bunch of different you know aviation museums in, the, in this region. Um, and, and I'd love to set something like that up and meet some folks. Uh, yeah. But something else that I, I've been wanting to do, and I've been meaning to do it for, well, months now, and I haven't yet, is uh, I'm still seeing people having trouble bending the landing gear that comes with the flight test airplanes. Because uh-huh. it is. I mean, and darn, I don't know. You know, Mountain Dew makes Josh strong or something, man, but he bends it with his hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, he makes it look you know, like he's bending, you know. Oh, yeah. Just, nothing, you know. yeah. So, uh, but I've, I've got a couple ideas on how to maybe either make up jigs or use simple things like vice grips if you don't have an actual vice uh, to make life a little bit easier on bending those. Yeah. I I don't have trouble bending them so much as long as I use like a big pair of pliers as like the, the, the grip and then the pivot point. Um, but my thing is with those landing gears, they always come out a little twisted. It's so hard to get it perfect. So it hard is. To get them lined up right. But- there's ways to, to work around that um, and, and you know kind of give you a little leverage and and thing is too we're, we're also working with a lot of people that are younger you know kids sure that yeah. just don't have the strength and they, they don't have access to some of the you know tools that might help so you know mm-hmm. I've got a couple of ideas on on how to you know make some you know tips and tricks for that nice. well to tell a FT secret they actually that's a gag they actually swap out a coat hanger when they shoot that so it looks like Josh can bend it I'm only kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and the thing is, Josh with his sense. hands. You know, jo- Josh was not some slouch before he got into flight tests. He he was he was a hard working nah, guy. He's a working man. Yep. And so yeah, he he just makes it look deceptively easy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was actually when I first started doing um, the flight test customer support. I had people getting angry that you know, you know what what kind of trick was it that you know they can't bend it and and no matter what tools they use they can't bend these wires and you know are they getting different wires than what Josh was using. And no, Josh is just, you know, just stronger than he looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, what about, let's see here. What are you going to be up to, man? I got a bunch of stuff. Well, so I, I got to, I still got to work on my flight first project. I got I got to start. And not only that, I got to buy my tickets. Oh, me too, <laughs> I've seen, seen a lot of people post on Facebook, That's like, right. all right, I got my tickets. Nick Simpson's like, I'm committed. I got my tickets. I'm like, crap, I didn't buy my, you know, my pilot passes yet. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry not to interject yeah, in yours. Um, I, I'm not making it to Flight Fest this year, so obviously Ooh. I'm not going to be working with the uh, volunteers. They announced who they're going to have doing the volunteering is uh, Andre from Andre the After Hours so. show. Nice. And so um, definitely sign up. Spend a little time. If you want to spend some time with Andre, uh, sign up as a volunteer and, and get to hang out and have fun with him. It's a crazy Canadian. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. I, I believe they're sending out um, uh, access to sign up as a volunteer now. And, and okay. you know, so um, and, and I don't know how they're doing it this year. I know like last year I tried doing it in like two hour blocks so that you could, you know, if you sign up as a volunteer, you're not losing the whole day. Sure. You, you can just right. do a couple hours. And um, and you know it, that that's going to be a big help to them. Awesome, cool. That's cool. All right, so I still need to fix my FT bushwhacker mini guinea. I got to start mocking up the charging case. I want to have that done. I guess before Flight Fest, that's probably the next event, right? Oh no, no, our event's the next event. Yeah, <laughs> before the uh, our <laughs> free fall RC uh, heli fest. Ha- I have that helicopter one. only. Helicopter only, so you got to show up with a pretty yeah, dope-ass case. I'm not going to make that one. <laughs> Dude, the freaking case will consume you, man. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on mine. Really? Well, I, just because I, just I wanted to get, get it right. And... I have an idea of how I want to make it, and I feel like, yeah, it's going to take a lot of time doing a mock-up, but then once I mock it up and actually transfer it to the to Lexan and, and 3D print the parts I need, I I'm not going to make it overly complicated because I think yours is more complicated because you have the three different sections. I'm not using those dividers. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to just do a solid uh, Lexan plate up top and just cut the holes and pieces that I need. And then, you know, 3D print supports, legs that are going to hold and boxes that's going to hold the charger and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm approaching it a little bit different than you, but which I think might just be easier because I don't really have the tools that you have. And my 3D printer is so inadequate right now. I'm I'm gonna have to use the ones that work, so that's limiting too because I'm I'm busy at work, so can't really sit there watching the uh, 3D printer go all day or anything. Just have well, Kevin do it for you. Yeah, send me the file, dude. I'll print it out. Yeah, if but I only want. see you once a week, or yeah, <laughs> like, it'll take know, him that long to print it out. No, he'll get it printed out <laughs> in a day for sure, and then he'll take a picture of it, and I'm like, babe. <laughs> I gotta drive an hour west and an hour back because I gotta go print up these little plastic pieces from Kevin. Like you know, <laughs> no, I mean I could probably do it at work. Um, just start in the morning and print a couple pieces out, and you know we we have a bunch of printers there, so I, I kind of like get a lot of them printing at the same time, which will which will speed things up. I'll tell you what, man. Just real quick, dude. The the Dollar Tree foam board. I found so many other uses for that. Like I I mocked up the whole thing. Exactly. That's what I. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even think about that. To when I went to do the like on the one side, I have a fan, just a fan. It's kind of like the output fan, and I wanted to leave that bay empty for tools. And you know, the inner dimensions are so screwed up; they got little curves here and there. And I just took foam board and traced it out onto that, and got it to where I wanted, and then traced that onto the Lexan. It was done. Yep, exactly. So that whole top plate, because you know, the rigid cases that uh, Kevin got and I also got now, um, the the bottoms are to bevel in. 
Yes. Yeah. So because of that, like, it's hard to get that, like, perfectly. So I'm just going to mock it up with foam, keep cutting away until it's perfect, and then I can just lay that top cover right on Alexa, trace it out. You need to get some Play-Doh. Play-Doh? <laughs> yeah, shove the Play-Doh down there, make a form of it, and then you can take it out and... Scan it. it. 3D scan it. Uh-huh. Or, or or just use that to trace your, you know... I think we lost them at Play-Doh. Yeah. <laughs> Play-Doh. What's Play-Doh? <laughs> Play-Doh. <laughs> well, you're trying to get the, the, that round shape of the inside of the case. Yeah, you know, round shaped, uh, you know, the 45-degree uh, bevels on, on the top corners, all that stuff, yeah. You used to take Play-Doh and put it on newspapers, and then that would transfer. Oh, that's right. What's well, a newspaper? What? Uh, newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work the same on the iPad. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, Yeah, but I mean, I think, I think I'll be able to do it with the foam board and, and kind of cut away, make it perfect. Um, probably doing two halves. Then you know, once I know the two halves fit perfectly, then lay down the Lexan, trace it out with a marker, and then take my Dremel and start cutting away and see what I can make out of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, charger case. Um, I need a new charger. I think I spoke about it earlier. I charge a 306 Duo, or I might look at a Power Lab Six uh, from Revelectric. Um, Maybe to do the bump charger, which will give me the ability to use the Mikado UI, RF tag, whatever battery identification system. I don't know. That's getting a little too crazy. But I'm we'll sorry. See. What I just like blacked out for a second there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's woo right over your head. But yeah, that's about it. Um, I, I'm gonna print out. I, I'm telling myself. Keep telling myself. I'm gonna print out my the the balsa plans for the flight fest project that I have in mind. And I got to start. I got to make some headway with that. I have to start. I, I don't think I'm going to have my version done in time if I don't. All right. Let's wrap it up. All right, man. Uh, I was looking at Podbean and I saw that Louisiana, we have a listener in Louisiana. I don't think I've mentioned that before. Nice. If I have, you're the single listener that's getting a double shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, in countries, I don't know if I mentioned Singapore. Did I mention that? You remember that I at all? I like did. All right. So they're getting another shout out. Yeah, that was the only cool. couple things I saw on Podbean. Nice. Um, so Facebook lights, we're at a total of 158. That's one more than last week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Hey, as long as that number keeps going up, I don't care if it's one or two. But So I want to give a big thanks to Greg Richmond for liking us on Facebook. Thank you. Yeah, and he also sent us uh, an email or a message via the website. He did? Yeah, he said, I spend a lot of time on the road, and I'm always looking for good RC podcasts, which I don't know what let him here, but (laughs) Um, he says, I have subscribed uh, to a few and unsubscribed almost as quickly. Uh, I've I've been an FT fan for some time, built quite a few planes and multi-rotors. My wife says I might need an intervention. (laughs) And with my wife, she can intervene. Um, okay. I'm so glad I found your podcast and can't wait for the next one. I'm not a heli guy, but I love learning all about this great hobby. I am though experienced in crashing them in, in real flight. <laughs> I guess helicopters he means. Uh, <laughs> and yes, Steve, you need to write articles about heli basics. I do. Who knows? Heli might need. Helis might be my next obsession. Keep up the great cast. I'll be listening. So thanks, man. Thanks, Greg. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I just checked my email. It came in at 8.37 tonight. So, cool. You want to go over these? Yeah, we have a few Facebook comments that I saw. 
Mm-hmm. And this is reply to our do's and don'ts uh, thread that we started, just to get more ideas for folks. Why not give them a shout out and see what they wrote? Yeah, Muse, our buddy Muse wrote, uh, "Don't." Uh, what I have learned so far is never ever rush putting up a model, putting up a model, model together. together. Oh, yeah. putting putting a model together. Always take your time. So don't rush. Cool. That's a good tip. And I and I, I am I am terrible about that. Um, especially like the Dollar Tree phone boards. I'm trying to like glue stuff together without really following the directions, and it, it looks like that. And they end up putting stuff you know together, and and then realize you have to take it back apart to fit something else in there. Yeah, no, I, I've done that. I think that's a great tip for young kids because I can remember when I was younger, I would always rush. I couldn't get it done fast enough. Mm-hmm. And the older I got, you know, I'm like, okay, that box of stuff that's brand new, I can wait to open that and. I, I seem to take my time more than I'm older, or I'm just getting old and slow. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, call me a young buck. I don't know, but I can't wait. I usually rush. I rush with all yeah. my bills, but but I'm not careless about the rushing. Right. Like right. I'll rush, but like it'll be me rushing from like nine o'clock at night to two in the morning when I have, have to wake up at six in the morning. But I'll do that two three nights to get a helicopter built. Like you know, but I'll still do it. Kind of taking my time, but and you wonder why on the maiden I'm ducking behind my car. <laughs> when did I ever crash on the maiden? I know, I'm only kidding, man. Yeah, I, still, I thought so. No. I still, I still, <laughs> I still keep an eye out. I know. I, I think what was it like last week? I was flying. I was like, oh, where did Kevin go? Oh, he's he's all the way back behind the fence, yeah, behind the chain link fence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like I didn't scare you, did I? No, no. Uh, you're one of the you're one of the few pilots I'll stand next to. Yeah, and that'll, right. well, that'll that'll leave for a great discussion next time <laughs> at the field. Um, TJV Vieira uh-huh. said, "Do charge the batteries the night before, and don't get all the way to the fields and real and realize that you left them and or your fuel at home." Uh, guilty. Yes, guilty. Me too. Oh, I I was a miserable, miserable husband. Um, my wife and I were on a trip. You know, we're taking a little weekend trip, and I had all my. I mean, I had multi-rotors and airplanes i was going to go fly while she was doing something else and we got about three quarters of the way there in the car and i realized that i left every single battery i had at the house Ugh. so i've got all these aircraft in the vehicle that i can't even use mm-hmm. and i hit the one hobby shop that was between us and the and the location we're going to and the only battery they had was like 60 bucks for a 2200 three so oh ouch Jeez. and so oh i was that was I was a I was not a pleasant person for that poor my poor wife you know had to put up with me for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, so a trick that I do is I leave a battery in each plane or helicopter. Um, I've left my you know ammo case of batteries at home once before, and I actually left it outside my apartment building. And my my Ooh. fiance found oh, it. Yeah. She's like, "Did you leave your battery pack?" I was like, "Oh, I look in the back. I'm like, I guess I did." I just I packed everything in a rush, you know, because I was running late and I got my ammo case. Um, but what lucked out for me is that I kept a battery in each one of my aircrafts, so that way I flew it and then I charged that battery while I flew something else and kind of cycled through it. So I was able to get a full, you know, day's worth of flying. Not as much as if I brought my batteries, but um, you know, I was able to fly, so I wasn't, you know, all well, cranky. <laughs> so my yeah, my wife is like makes me have a checklist now. Nice. Yeah. So, My wife's so either have a wife. checklist or have a wife that'll make you have a checklist. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, and in turn, with you know 
don't forget your batteries. Also, don't forget your transmitter. Right? Yeah. Done that. Yes. <laughs> I think the first time I was ready to fly at our club, I forgot. Yes. The first time we went there, we're going there. Cool, Kevin. I'll meet you there. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot my transmitter. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm like, dude, just use mine. You know, I've, I forgot mine. my batteries twice, I think, and my which, transmitter. But which, that goes was back to have, which goes back to, you know, having a, a spare radio that, you know, the first radio you bought that's a decent radio. It doesn't have to be great. You know, might save your buddy's flying day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, I, I want to touch base on batteries. I live in Florida, and it gets, you know, pretty hot down hot, here. Humid, yeah. And uh, so one of the things I, I, I came up with was um, if you leave your batteries in a car in the summertime down here in Florida, you know, you're, you're running the risk of damaging them from the heat or having them catch on fire. I actually started putting them in a cooler with an ice pack. You know, oh, not nice. ice because ice will melt and and you know get your stuff right. wet. But I'd put them in, you know, and that way they would at least stay a little bit cooler, um, you know, and 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 not overheat sitting in the car, you know, when I'm parked somewhere on the way to the field or something. That's a good idea. Yeah. Nice. All right. Cool. So more Facebook comments. Um, Ed Johnson said on the helis, always check your transmitter stick orientation, as well as your fly barless controller correct orientation. Unless you still fly, fly, fly barred helis. Smile emoji icon. Yeah. <laughs> Smile yes. emoji icon. Yeah, this is this is a big one for helis, you know. And you know, I mentioned it earlier. Um, always just double check. That's part of your for a helicopter. That is part of your, um, you know, flight checks. Your pre-flight. Your pre-flight checks. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, everybody likes doing pirouettes, but not on the ground. Oh no. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, let's see what we got here. Pop Beam, shout outs. I'll take yeah. this one real quick. It's just one, right? So, Easy Dog, like some episodes, so thanks for that. But not all of them? Eh. <laughs> maybe he's a plane guy or maybe he's a heli guy. I think he liked everyone but the Fred Provost one, so we might not get a like for this one. <laughs> I'm not sure. He'll just see it in the, uh, the, sh- the, uh, you know, the post and be like, oh, I can skip this one. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. I assume he's a man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I don't discriminate. <laughs> Unless you're a dirty old planker. No, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, all right, so let's see here. Do we have any iTunes reviews? No, I checked. All right. Just, just the gracious people that have given us iTunes reviews so far. Nothing new. No, no, no Phil McCracken? No, no film McCracken, not today. Oh, dude, I think it was Russ sent me a, a text or a message. He was like, you had me cracking up with the film McCracken. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was tempted, um, you know, looking at the notes here. I, I actually went onto the Wikipedia and looked up all the different uh, Bart Simpson calls to the to the bar. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's good. I got to look. I got to check that out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so uh, drop us an iTunes review and we'll read the review on our next episode. Also, if you're in the central New Jersey area, come join us on June 25th, Saturday, at 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. 
for our Freefall RC HeliFest 2016 presented by Tri-County RC Club of New Jersey. Spectators are free. You can come. Uh, we're going to have, you know, member pilots, non-members can come and fly. We are expecting to have a pilots meet around 10 a.m. You do need a valid AMA to fly. And there is a landing fee. For registration and more info, please visit our club website at www.tcrcnj.com. We're located at 306 Old George Road, North Brunswick, 08902. If you have a... A helicopter? So, yeah, if you are if you have a helicopter or you're interested in watching some helicopters do some insane things, come join us. Or you just want to come out and say how much we suck. That too. I hate the podcast. But I, but I can't stop listening. <laughs> if you want to meet, you know, Kevin and myself, Steve, and Chris Ryber will be there, too. So you get to meet him, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So definitely come out and join us. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can contact us, uh, uh, email us, sorry, at freefallrc at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash podcast. Don't forget to check out our webpage, freefallrcpodcast.com. You can contact us there. There's uh, pictures of our uh, last couple events and stuff on there. And we'll, we'll be adding more content as the, uh, the world is nice and we're, we're flying more. On the flight test forums, managed by Nick Simpson, off the field, audio and video production, other than flight test podcast. And then you'll see us there, freefallrcpodcast with uh, the flight test uh, community cast guys. How are we doing on stickers? You still got a bunch? Or? Yeah. Okay. If you want stickers. If you hear typing us. in the background, that's Fred sending us his address to get stickers. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. So if you want stickers, send us your address. Um, email us. Message us on Facebook. And we'll, we'll definitely send a, a bunch out to you guys. Fred, do you want to give any contact info? Before. Sure, you can uh, find me on Facebook. You can look me up by my email, which is fredprovost at gmail.com. Of course, I'm on the uh, flight test forums and in the article section. And uh, come look us up on FT Groups and maybe see if I'm in your area. All right. Thanks, nice. Fred. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Um, thanks. Thanks for taking the time and everything. And we had a blast. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. See you guys. Take care, Bye. everybody. Okay. Did you want to plug our, our fun fly? Uh, I wasn't sure, but we did it last week. I guess right. we should have. Oh, we there, was, there was a little plug in there for it because we talked about the hell you only event coming up. True. Yeah. I think we can talk more about it. Right, Steve? What? <laughs> you, want me, you want to do a little bumper right now? Sure. I don't care. Oh, and also, if you're by the central New Jersey area, by New Brunswick, New Jersey, come out and come meet Kevin and me, Steve, for a nice little heli fun fly. Um, It's going to be on June 25th from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's located off of Route 130 by 306 George. What's the road? I was doing good. (laughs) I forgot the damn address. Also, if you're in the... Central Jersey, uh, New Brunswick area, come on. Oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> I got to write this down. I need a freaking script. Okay, let's do this again. One more time. Also, if you're in the new... Oh, crap. Now I'm under pressure. Okay, one more time. Also, if you're in the area of... Oh, shit. I'm getting all backwards. I'm going to start talking like Yoda.
<laughs> One more time. Also, if you're in the central New Jersey area near New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, on June 25th, 2016, uh, shit, why do I have to put the year? Why am I putting the damn year? Like, we don't know what the damn year is. The year's fine. Uh, uh, well, I, okay, let's try it again. Also, if you're in the central... <laughs> Stop saying one more time, too. All right. Also, if you're in the central New Jersey area in New Brunswick, New Jersey, come join us on June 25th, uh, Saturday, at 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. for our Freefall RC HeliFest 2016, presented by Tri-County RC Club of New Jersey. Uh, we're going to... Spectators are free. You can come. Uh, we're going to have... You know, member pilots, non-members are you know can come and fly. We are expecting to have a pilots meet around 10 a.m. You do need a valid AMA to fly, and there is a landing fee. Um, you can check us. You can get more information on. Shit, can you edit that a little bit? Like, yeah. Right, did I say that? For more information about registration uh, and more info, now let's do that over. Okay, for registration and more info, please visit. Our, uh, what the hell is this? Okay. For registration and more info, please visit our club website at http colon slash slash www.tcrcnj.com. We're located at 306 Old George Road, North Brunswick, 08902. If you have a, I don't know what to say about that. A right, helicopter? So yeah, if you're if you have a helicopter or you're interested in watching some helicopters do some insane things, come join us. Or you just want to come out and say how much we suck. That too. I hate the podcast, yeah, but, but I can't stop in. listening. <laughs> if you want to meet, you know, Kevin and myself, Steve, and Chris Reiber will be there too, so you get to meet them too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So definitely come out and join us. Thanks. You're gonna have a. Uh, I'll have fun with that.